0: Joe
1: Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience.
2: Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day.
3: What's happening, brother? How you doing, man? (laughs) Thanks for doing this, man. Man, thanks for having me. Um, Dude, listen, man. I've been a fan of your work for, well, first thing I ever saw that you did was Hell or High Water, but going through the, uh, my friend Andrew Schultz turned me on to Yellowstone. I got a text message from him once, like at one o'clock in the morning, like, dude, Yellowstone, have you seen it? Like, no, everybody's watching it. Should I watch it? He's like, dude, watch it. So I got into Yellowstone, and it goes like, Yellowstone is fucking great, but- 1923 is better but 1883 holy shit and on your recommendation i finished it last night i was up till 1 30 in the morning i didn't sleep i went to, i went to bed at like four because i was just laying around my house just thinking about it just going what the fuck man <laughs> that i don't think anybody has ever nailed that time period like you did I, there's nothing close
2: there's nothing even in the fucking ballpark nothing well thanks i, I you know the reason I chose to do this for a living, um, I was off to my third college I was going to go flunk out of, and, <laughs> uh, and, and right before I left, I'd read Lonesome Dove, you know, Mercury's book, and then I saw the miniseries with Duvall and, and Tom Levy, and I said, I, I want to do that. I don't know what that is, but that's what I want to do wow you know so i started i started as an actor first because i thought that's what it was and then i realized i'm not doing that i'm not creating a story and then finally you know i got the conus to quit and 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 write my own but yeah 1883 was me yellowstone's uh, the the punk rock me there's there's a fair amount of um it has no plot really you know don't take my land i want your land right um (laughs) and in that i have a lot of opportunities to to poke fun, but also kind of point out different points of views, and kind of really study a way of life in a world. Um, but there's a lot of defiance in the way that I do it. It's it's not surprising that critics hate it because uh, it's designed for them. Critics hate, hate what? They hate Yellowstone c- and confounded by its success. Oh God! They can't get their heads around why it's so. Like, there's been New York Times has done multiple, <laughs> multiple <laughs> articles where they're doing like this essay on how is this shit so popular? <laughs> oh god, that's uh, so funny. It's so funny that they don't get it. 1883 was me grown up saying like, "Hey, let's take a look back at history. Yeah. Let's look at us and who us is as far yeah. as the you know, the Europeans who settled this place. And and let's not argue about whether they should or shouldn't have. Let's just look at what the hell they went through to do it." Critics are less
3: relevant today than at any time in human history. They really are. They're they're off so much more than they're on. I, yeah, agreed. And most people don't buy into it at all. Like if you look at the, like a perfect example is uh, one of Dave Chappelle's specials. The critic score was like three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the public score was ninety seven percent. Like, yeah. that's all you need that's to know. That's all my like, shows. Who, who the fuck are you? Like, who are these people?
2: Who are these people a, that are critics? I have a show called Mayor of Kingstown, which is all about literally the decay of an American city. And I think it was 21% on Rotten Tomatoes and 94% audience rating. Something like that. <laughs> something, something bananas. And it, I just don't understand
3: why they're still employed. I mean, what what is the purpose that they serve other than speaking to other completely disconnected, supposedly highbrow people that live in congested urban areas.
2: Yeah, and I think also that critics it, and I don't know why, but they seem to feel a need to judge any project by what it, how is it looking at the lens through today's new question morality? How is, what should we be making movies about? And you can make a shitty movie about something that they support and they're going to support that movie. But yeah. my, that's not my job. My job as a storyteller is to pick a world and look through the window and not judge it and go, hey, here's what it was. Yeah. And, and here's the decision some people made. And, you know, for me, you know, the holy grail as a storyteller is entertain, educate and enlighten. Don't give anybody answers. Just lots of questions to think about. That's my job. Because I can't stand to pay money and have somebody preach to me yeah. their ideas. That's the well, that's, fastest way to get me out of That's the reason I hated Forrest Gump, and I don't mean to say that. I'm <laughs> going to catch a lot of shit. But this doddering fucking idiot is the only guy that can figure out the world. Everybody else around him, he's just going to go on a fucking run across America, and everyone's going to follow him, and that's going to heal the country. I just was like, what is this shit?
3: Well, I think back then it was just it was novel. 'Cause it was, it was the idea was like the the like it could be so much simpler that this simple guy could figure it out and that the, we're uh, all so disconnected
2: from the irony the is you, you couldn't make that movie today. Oh no because way Because someone would be too offended at sure. the portrayal of Forrest's character. Well, my favorite movie that you can never make today
3: is Tropic Thunder. Oh <laughs> it's a fucking great movie. I'm so glad they haven't banned it, you know, like like They've done so many books, like, you know, and Tom Hanks, uh, you know, like, if you go and watch his portrayal of Forrest Gump, it's nothing compared to the way they do, like, that simple Jack character in (laughs) Tropic Thunder.
2: (laughs) And when he says he never go full retard, like, you can't even say that word anymore. No, but, but if you look at that movie, which was designed to offend, but also... Ridicule us taking ourselves too seriously. That's yes. that's one of our jobs. Yes, you know it's hey, let's, yeah. we're all taking ourselves way too seriously, and if we can make light of this and make jokes about this, then all of a sudden it won't f- feel so serious, and we can be reflective.
3: Well, what what's happened in your business is happened in my business too. The business of comedy, like comedy movies, are dead they've been, they've essentially killed the genre all the movies that we grew up loving like all the movies like something about Mary and you know fucking you, you can go down the line all the way down to animal house you could never make
2: any of those movies anymore no. and and to go one step further like comedians since Lenny Bruce these guys men and women whose job it was to push the envelope as far as it can be pushed to help us look at ourselves, and you think of the greats, like the great comics, Bill Hicks, Eddie Murphy, Sam Kennison, I mean, Robin Williams, and and you look at their at their acts. Hell, look at look at what's uh, what's her name before she did a talk show, Joan Rivers. Yeah, none of their acts would be socially acceptable today, and and I don't know that they were socially acceptable then, but that was their job. Richard Pryor, he yeah. couldn't say ninety percent of what he said. Yeah, but he's but you need people to sit there and push those boundaries because art to one person it to another. But you got to have it. You got to have it all.
3: Yeah, we say you know in the comedy world, we say we're the last line of defense because this is where, where the woke meets the wall. The woke meets the wall with stand up comedy. This, this, you can't have woke comedy. It sucks. It's impossible. You can't like always punch up and cater to everybody. And it's like, no. It's that's not what's funny. What's funny is the the fucking weird things that people do and all of our Hypocrisies and all of our contradictions and all all the chaos about being a human being and if you want to never make fun of Marginalized groups or never make fun of protected classes or never make fun of anybody that's downtrodden or disassociated or disaffected well, you can't do that you can't that's that's not stand-up comedy stand-up comedy has to be everything it has to be everything that's funny Regardless of whether or not it's socially acceptable to make fun of those things,
2: and I think that we need to—it's healing to laugh, right? Yeah, it's healing to to. And by the way, if we're going to talk about race relations, uh, who are some of the people that helped push that? Who helped people understand how you felt on you know how in the world when I'm 14 years old, am I supposed to know how it feels to be African American in L.A.? How am I going to know that growing up in a small town in Texas? but then you see a comic who's from South Central LA make jokes about me make jokes about living there and you get some understanding of it. Yeah. You have some empathy, you have some some knowledge.
3: Well, we're in a weird time where everybody has a say. And I don't think everybody should be able to talk. <laughs> it's like I mean everybody should be able to talk, but through social media that gets just broadcast in mass to the world. And you get these groups of people that they huddle up in these fucking echo chambers and they
2: duke it out. I think I think we have a what's happening right now. And it's privilege. It's it's from a coddled We're the this is the wealthiest nation society in the history of civilization. Yeah. And people are so coddled that they have confused feelings with rights. And your feelings being hurt is a violation of your rights, yeah. and it's not. Yeah. You do not have a right to never be offended.
3: It's worse than that. They've confused hurting your feelings with violence. Yeah. They, they literally say words are yeah, violence. Yeah, like, well, disagreeing with someone seen, is violence. You've never seen real violence then. You're talking nonsense. Yeah. Somebody said something once, and I've repeated it many times, but it's a great thing to say. The worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Even it's if you just, the worst thing that's ever happened to you, you got a flat tire. Yeah. Oh my God. If yeah. you had a bunch of shit happening and you get a flat tire, like, I guess I got to change my tire. It's no big deal. But if you are living this fucking sheltered life and the worst thing that's ever happened is you're a a dude in a dress and someone misgenders you, you know, like, oh my God, this is violence. Like, no, this is not violence. You're a fucking guy in a dress and it's confusing, man. It's fucking confusing. If you want me to call you a girl, I'll call you a girl. But this is confusing. This is fucking confusing.
2: This is not violence. The other thing is they'll say now, if you disagree with someone, you're phobic. Yeah, when a phobia is an irrational fear of something, right? So disagreeing is not an irrational fear. It's disagreement Right, and and we've reached a point to where people won't they can't even have a conversation because someone's gonna sit there and scream As soon as you hear violence or you hear then the conversations over
3: right you're racist. You're transphobic. You're homophobic Whatever you are conversations over they've minimalized everything they've marginalized your position it's it's interesting. It's terrible for comedy movies, though. But it's really fun for comedy, though. For stand up comedy, it's it's actually fun. Are they are they running with it? Oh my god, we're having a great time. It's like what my friend Ari said it best. He said, "This is a really great time for comedy because comedy is dangerous again. Because comedy didn't used to be dangerous for a long time. There's a lot of shock comics that were kind of they were saying things just to be shocking, you know. And I certainly did that earlier in my career. And now, like, if you have you have a position to defend. If you're going to go out on a limb, you're going to make fun of something that's dangerous. You got to have that shit tight. It's got to right. be good. It's got to be glorious. Huge laughs. It has to be it has to be something where people go, "Oh shit, I can't." Like Dave Chappelle's the best example of that. When he goes after something, whatever it is, it's just so goddamn funny that even though it's supposed to be something you're not supposed to talk about, it's so good. That everybody has to back off, except the critics, of course.
2: But what makes Chappelle so so good and so funny is he's gonna say things that, from a point of view, is true. Like it's rooted in some logic. Yeah. And and he's and he's smarter than about anyone who's gonna oppose him. And and he's thought through his his position so completely, he can defend it. You could disagree with it. Yeah. But you can't say he doesn't have an opinion, and it's not grounded in facts or at least well-thought-out ideas.
3: Yeah, he's hammering that shit out every night, too. He, he's a fascinating guy, the way he's doing it. He literally will fly into a city. He doesn't even book shows. He flies into cities and just shows up at clubs and goes on after the show's over. Really? Yeah, or pops in in the middle of a show. Like, he's done it to me before. I was in Denver once, and he just showed up. I Got off stage and I went to the green room and I go. What's up? What are you doing man? He goes. Oh, hey Joe And I go what are you doing here man? He goes I knew you was in town I thought I'd stop by I go you want to go up he goes should I I go fuck yeah <laughs> So I literally went out and stopped the audience everyone's leaving the show is over They they're were already like paying their tab going home and I go yell yeah, at everybody on the stairs Tell them to come back Dave Chappelle's here and the whole audience came back in And, wow. that, and that's how he works things out. So he just goes around and just fucks around and then Slowly hammers these bits out until he gets them to this like bulletproof form, and then he puts them out on a special. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's a, it's a fun time for stand-up comedy, but it's it's literally the only thing that you can do without a committee. Because if you're going to do a movie, you're going to have to have actors, you're going to have to have writers, you're going to have to have executives, studio heads, all this shit. There's a lot of people that have their say. In what's happening, or at least have a conversation about it. There's no conversation with stand-up. It's literally just you. It's one person. How do I make fun of this? What is what's my angle on this? And then you work it out. You put it together, and then you present it in front of people. And if they laugh, it's good. And if they don't laugh, it's not good. And you got to figure out how to make it work.
2: No, and, that's about the that's about the ballsiest art form. It's, so it's just pure. You are all alone. Yeah, it's pure. I love it.
3: And my club out here, what I also love is we, we make everybody put their phones in a bag. So instead of fucking taking pictures of everything and filming everything, just fucking just be there. Just be there. Put that goddamn thing away. The phone's in a locked up in a yonder bag. The phone's off. Just
2: experience a human moment. Have a good time. I know a couple of guys that went to your club last night. They called me. While I'm driving up today. They said, have you been to his club? I said, not yet. And they said, and they're from L.A., an agent from L.A. He said, they say things in there you can't say in L.A. <laughs> comedy. I said, was it funny? He goes, this is hilarious. Funniest thing I've ever seen. Every one of them.
3: Yeah. Well, hmm. that's what it's supposed to be. You know, and Louis C.K. said, we built an Alamo. That's what he said. He said, essentially, because you've built the comedy Alamo. <laughs> he goes, this is, we're in a war with the cyber world. And he goes, and you built us an Alamo. Wow. Yeah. But that's, you know, when I came out here, you know and there wasn't really a comedy club and all these other comedians were moving out here because this is the only place We could do stand-up. It was during the pandemic, right? It's like all the pieces fell together Perfectly, it was like the universe opened up door after door at every step and then all of a sudden we're here and There was like 15 of us and we're working in these like little rock and roll clubs and EDM clubs And we're doing stand sold-out shows and the rest of the country is completely shut down You can't even do stand-up indoors and they all heard about Austin, that we were all out here, and then Ron White's like, you gotta open up a club. And so it's like, okay, let's open up a fucking club. And then we bought this building, and started, we actually had a building that we bought before that was owned by a cult. Really? Yeah, there's a, there's a documentary on the cult called Holy Hell, you should watch it. It's pretty <laughs> crazy. This guy came from West Hollywood, and right after Waco, when the uh, Cult Awareness Network started cracking down all these cults after Waco burned down and the you know, feds killed everybody, they uh, moved out to Austin. The cult member, the cult leader changed his name, got a new name, moved to Austin, and built a theater so he could dance in front of his followers. And, uh, <laughs> and that was the theater I bought to start a club. <laughs> wow. And, yeah.
2: You so, know, my cousins were the federal marshals in Waco, and they oh, knew Karrasch. Wow. and And they had told the ATF. They said, we were just there three days ago. Like, they can be whatever they are, but they, they're permitted up. And- they were driving down I-35, and he looked up and saw these three choppers, and he knew exactly what was going on. And by the time he got to the Koresh compound, those guys had already been killed. But he knew David, and, and he went up to the—oh, maybe it was a week or two later. I can't remember how long they held up in there. But he said, let me just go talk to Koresh and, uh, and see if I can get any of these women and kids out. And he did, and he walked up and knocked on the front door and took like 30 of them out. Wow before they just torched that place.
3: Yeah, they did torch that place. And they denied doing it, too. There's video footage of the tanks. <laughs> the tank driving right... Th- oh, what does? Driving in and shooting flames in- <laughs> into the buildings. And they just fucking lit everybody on fire. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't even know what started it. it was, no, it was like one fed showed up, and then they got shot at. Or so- something <laughs> happened.
2: Well, I know four were killed in the first when they went to hit that place i think like nine got shot i know we can pull it all up and look but yeah um you know at that time there there was this big panic about militias mm. you know because at the same time you got ruby ridge happened right around the same time right you had all these and the fbi was just getting kind of not atf was kind of getting spanked in spots and and they were trying to clean up their image or or prevent whatever and that was their mission de jour: was like get rid of all these militias. Yeah, and and you know, surprising little overreach on the government's
3: little overreach. But also, like every cult starts the same way. Seems like a good
2: idea. We're gonna do things right. We're gonna. What's wrong with society? Let's fix it. Let's all commune together. Well, they all start like this. First, <laughs> you have you you need a, a, a like a Jim Morrison adjacent looking right wannabe rock star actor yes right who's so wildly <laughs> narcissistic and yet charming that he can convince some shit like i need your wife yes but i need you here to do the garden Yes, and then he becomes his own god uh-huh. and then he's going to pick a date where all this shit's going to go wrong uh the world's going to end and i'm going to show you salvation that day's going to pass and then we need another problem until they wing that out and get a bunch of machine guns. And the guy out here,
3: his name was Jaime Gomez, and he was a gay porn star and a hypnotist. That was the guy who started, <laughs> so how do you think that worked out? So, so one guy in like uh, 2000 or the early 2000s sent out, he left the cult and sent out a mass email that was like, hey, this guy's been hypnotizing me and fucking me for the last 10 years. <laughs> and then everybody was like, I thought it was just me. That's the guy. But when he was young, when See he got what old. what I say, look like a model. Oh, when and he was young, time. he was beautiful. He was beautiful. He had like a chiseled body. He was a yoga instructor. I think that's how he started. He was an actor. He was in Rosemary's Baby. He was like an extra in Rosemary's Baby. But he, when he started the cult, it really just kind of started out as a, a yoga class. And he was very charismatic and convinced these people that there was a different way to live. And, and like, just like that, I'm sure you've seen Wild Wild Country. No. You never seen that? Oh no. my god, it's fucking amazing. It's a Netflix series about this cult that took over a town in Oregon. Yes, I do know Yeah, what this and is. they poisoned everyone in the town. They shipped in homeless people so that they could vote. So they brought <laughs> they they took homeless people and they brought them into the cult so that they would be a part of the community and they could vote. And Then they just took over the fucking town. And then once they did that, <laughs> they kicked the homeless people out and it's it's a wild. If I wrote that screenplay,
2: series. people would say that that's ridiculous. Yeah.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of those. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of those. Well, that's the craziest thing about 1883 is that you don't have to do any dramatic embellishment. There's no, doesn't have to be any, any f- f- fucking with the truth. It's that is literally what went down. Those people literally came here. They do. You were telling me on the phone that what percentage of the people that that made the trek across couldn't even speak English? You know it. it
2: something like 40%. You know, they used to come in from they, they would come into and of course what what our government was doing was we needed people for a multitude of reasons. Uh after the Civil War, so many of the workforce had been killed, you know, one point something million soldiers died that that we know of. We don't know how many other civilians. So we needed people. Um we needed people to settle the West because Manifest Destiny basically said, "Hey, we, you know, there's all this land we bought from whoever we bought it from France, I guess, the Louisiana Purchase, um, and we can't settle it because every time we we try, the Lakota or the Comanche kick the shit out of us. So we should send a bunch of Central Europeans and Eastern Europeans over there and let them get in the middle of it. And so in all of these, uh, and you can you can look up if you were to put it into the computer, you can pull up all of these." pamphlets they would put out and ads they would put out in newspapers in Romania and Norway, obviously Ireland did it everywhere. Germany and said, come free land. Yeah. Come get your free land. And when I started researching it, um, you know, there were people that would come from areas where it was against the law to swim. They were not allowed to swim. Wow. There weren't. No one knew how to swim. It was so against I, the law to swim? It was swim. against the law to swim.
4: What the fuck?
3: That seems so, ins- what seems so insane. What seems so insane, what really struck me, I mean, I, I did a lot of thinking about that show last night. Like, it ended, I did my binge. I ended the binge at like two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, at nighttime, I do some of my most fucked up thinking because everyone is asleep in, yeah. in my house. It's just me. And, I, and I, I generally do most of my writing when everyone's asleep. And I was just thinking, that's 140 years ago. That's nothing. I'm 56 years old. When I was in high school, it was in 1983. So that was 100 years ago. I was a sophomore in high school. So I was 100 years is nothing. 100 years before that, you make your way across the country on a fucking wagon and you get free land. Yeah. 100 years. That's so short a period of time. It's so hard for us to really appreciate how recent that is. And how how fucking insane the change in this country over such a short period of time has been?
2: Meteoric. Meteoric. I Nothing just like read it. something in the last day or two that, and I'm going to get it wrong, but 1937 is closer to 1984 than 2023 is to 84, or something like that. Yeah. And if you think about the yeah the gap between 1984 and 2023, and then what 84 was like i was alive you were alive to now it doesn't seem like that dramatic a, a change obviously there is internet but you still had cars you had phones you couldn't take them with you but you had them but 1937 <laughs> we haven't even we haven't even made penicillin yet right that's just 40 years yeah trench
3: warfare yeah
2: yeah world war 1 yeah. no these these they came over here they didn't speak the language they knew nothing about the land knew nothing about the water, had no, it did, by the way, you can be rest assured, it did not say in that advertisement in the Romanian Times, there's other people who already live there who will kill you when you show up. And it didn't mention any of that. Um, They didn't hear about the Indians until they got to Galveston. And, you know, they're buying their supplies. You need a gun? Well, what do you need a gun? Well, the Indians. The who? (laughs) What are you talking about? Who are Indians? Well, you're going to find out. Yeah, that was a, a part of uh, Empire
3: of the Summer Moon. You know that these folks had just established these homesteads and had no idea, and the Comanches would show up and just slaughter them. They had no idea. They had no idea yeah. that there was even a, a concern, and they had to figure it out along the way.
2: Yeah, and that you know, and you read in that book, and, and, and from a military standpoint, it's such a just an impressive achievement that Nakona decided he was going to raid all the way to Galveston. And he marched through, burned Austin, went all the way to Galveston. Everybody got on their boats, went out on their boats and watched him burn Galveston. Then they went in and looted all the stores and found these parasols. You know, you could sit there and block the sun. And the Comanche thought, that's the freaking smartest thing. I wish we'd had fabric to do that with. So all the Braves took these parachutes and when they rode off there's thousands of Comanche warriors with parasols of all these different <laughs> colors Blocks getting the sun off their shoulders running away with umbrellas yeah that's insane but what a, what a terrifying visual that oh, would be oh
3: yeah well i mean i had no idea until i read empire of the summer moon and then I had the author come in what is his name again sg gwen s is that it great great fucking guy and he found out when he moved to texas like, he, he moved here and then was researching S. Texas history. S.C. Gwynn. S.C. Gwen. And uh, when he moved here and he was researching Texas, then he was like, oh, my God. Like, how, how do I not know about all this? How do I not know what this happened? How do I know, not know about the Texas Rangers and how they were established and why they, they needed them and what, what went down?
2: Yeah, it was, the, it was the Wild West.
3: Yeah, well, it's one of the reasons why Texas is such a crazy place. It's like this was kind of the last stand.
2: Yeah, and, and Texas was its own nation for, you know, 14 yeah. years, 13 years, and, it, and it's still, you know, that independence is still pretty embedded in it.
3: Did yeah, they want to put it back on the ballot. To Every succeed. year.
2: <laughs> this experiment hasn't worked. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, what's crazy is when you think about the United States only being established in 1776 and how recent that is in human history. But the idea of a new country being established today seems insane. Like, there's no one. No way. Impossible. No, it's not going
2: to. You know, they, there's part of Oregon wants to secede and, yeah. and and join Idaho. There's 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 a section up there around Humboldt County and, and up in that area in California. They want the same thing. And, and it's understandable because you have people who, you know, you take the eastern half of Oregon. Virtually all of them are in some form of agriculture. Right. Right. They're ranching or they're farming or they're doing something. Same with. With, with that part of Northern California. You're right. in timber, you're growing something, whether it's weed or whether it's whatever, you're doing something agricultural. Um, and then you come to these big urban centers and where people do not understand where their food comes from. Right. I read an article, this is when I lived in LA as an actor, and there was some uproar. Some cheerleader had gone hunting uh, and killed a deer or something. And uh, the picture made it in the paper or somehow, made it somewhere. And there was this massive, people went nuts. And I'm flipping through the paper and, and I'm reading the letters to the editor. That's kind of up there in the front. And uh, they were all about this girl. And there's a picture of her. And uh, one of them said that all hunters should be killed. How dare they go out and kill that animal? Why can't they? Just go get their food at the grocery store where it's made. <laughs> no, someone got mad enough to write that letter and wrote it and reread it and sent it, and then it was printed, not from a sense of irony from that paper, I doubt. Uh, and and I remember thinking, God, people don't even know where it comes from. They have no idea what it takes to put food on a table. Any kind of food. No, I don't care if you're vegan or not. Right, it's all been
3: given to you, and all you have to do is work and then spend your money. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've had conversations with people while they're eating meat, saying, "I can never hunt." Like, I don't know how you do it. Like, what are you talking about? You're eating meat. You just hired a supermarket hitman.
2: Yeah, like you just (laughs) you just exported the execution.
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's. We're so detached. And um, that was why it was fascinating to watch this massive uptick during the pandemic where, where the food supply got cut off for a while. And, you know, it was yeah. it was very weird. And a lot of people got into hunting. A lot of people got interested in it. and There was a big uptick
2: or started to or started to want to take some responsibility, some yeah. kind of control. Measure, Grow food. Whether they get chickens in their backyard, mm-hmm. whether they f- they come to a ranch. And there's plenty of places where you can buy it direct to consumer. You know, when that mm-hmm. hit me, yeah, I've got three steers and two deer in the freezer. You know, right. I've got sixty chickens. I've got a greenhouse. I didn't. Yeah, I did. I didn't miss a beat.
3: Yeah, well, that's the way to live if you could. Yeah. but most people are like, well, uh, not everybody can live that way, right? Figure out how you can.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can. You can please. I did it in L.A. Did you for five years? I went. Um, everything I ate was wild caught. Or it was grown from. I bought it from the farm if it was a vegetable or fruit. And in 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 L.A., it really wasn't that hard to do. Farmers
3: markets and stuff. Farmers like that. markets
2: for heck, you could even get, you know, you could go get wild caught fish at the farmers market. Right. You could go get what farm grew this? Well, there's your kale or whatever you want. It's all right there. Like it's it was actually not that difficult. And I'd come back to Texas and hunt for a weekend, um, and that was my you know, go shoot three deer and that's a yeah. year's worth of food, right. three, three animals for a year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's best case scenario. If you can pull that off, but most people are just so disconnected from it and so connected to the urban world where no one's growing anything. Everything has to be brought in by trucks. And I was reading this, um, this story, uh, it's a, it's a book called, uh, dissolving illusions. And it's all about, um, the introduction of vaccines. And it's about the, pandemic diseases of the early 20th century. And they were talking about just the horrific conditions that people lived in in these urban cities before cars, because there was no buses. So how are you getting food? How are you getting vegetables? How are you getting all these things into these cities? These people lived with terrible nutrition, basically starved to death, living in places where there's uh, outhouses that were shared by thousands of people. Everyone's stuffed in these tenement buildings. They're all Breathing congested air, everyone's getting diseases. There's n- no no drugs to treat them, no antibiotics to treat them, and everyone's fucked. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, but- the, the, you know these, and it's been that way, by the way, for 1,200 years. As soon as yeah. massive urban areas, you know, as soon as they sprouted up, I mean, look at look at the plague. Yeah, that's what that is. That that's is where it comes that's from. A, that's yeah. a flea-borne illness. That you get because you're living in such close proximity to rats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why are there so many rats? Well, because there's that much vermin and filth and yeah. waste for them to feast on.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's nature's way of balancing things out. Nature's like, well, this is a fucking problem. Whatever you guys are doing here is not the way to do it. So yeah. have fun with this. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: It's yeah. also with the with the Native Americans. You, know, you look at the Comanche. You look at any of them. It was the disease that mm-hmm. you know when when from the first Pilgrims. Mm-hmm. All these things that, that Europeans brought over. And, I mean, it just decimated. I think cholera killed sixty percent of the Comanche.
3: Yeah, they said that ninety percent of the people killed in North America were killed by diseases. Ninety yeah. percent of the Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, and that that story hasn't been told properly. You know, and that's what I, I really appreciated about 1883. It's like, you you talked about, I mean, this was like the end of the Native American empire, essentially. This was when there was still a little bit of buffalo left. there's still, you know, they're moving Indians to reservations. Then the Indians that were out, they were resisting it, you know, and it's just, and then these people are trying to make their way in this fucking wagon train across the country. What, yeah. it, what percentage of those people died? That we're trying to do that.
2: I mean, I don't know that there's any anywhere along the Oregon Trail, you could you can drive along or you know, there's markers just everywhere. Everywhere. And especially the further up you get into Wyoming and the further you start getting through like the lander cutoff uh and South Pass, then they're just and that's the ones that, you know, that got a marker. Yeah. So it's how do you know? Right. You know, the handcart. Uh, the Mormon Church brought a lot of people out and they didn't have a lot of money, enough money, to give them uh, full wagons, even though that's what they would promised. So they made these hand carts that people would pull from wherever they took off from, somewhere in Ohio, uh, to try and get to to Utah. Um, And so these people pulled them by hand. They'd put their wife and their gear, their kids or whatever, and then they'd pull them, these two-wheeled carts, like chariots (laughs) without a horse. And you know, one winter, they left too late and got caught in the winter, and the whole trick was, if you didn't make it to the certain spot in Wyoming by July 4th, you were not going to make it. You were going to get caught in the past, and you're going to die. And something like 25,000 people died in one year. Just wow. mind-numbing statistics.
3: Insane. Yeah. Insane. And it's it's so interesting that the, the early films on the West, they were they never covered that. The early films in the West were like these really sort of shallow surface films that were fun movies, you know, Cowboys versus Indians, the spaghetti westerns and that kind of stuff. But no one had any sort of real understanding of what actually went down.
2: No, you didn't. The notion of getting free land, uh, that you could go farm uh, with, by the way, nothing. You're gonna go somewhere with nothing. Like there's no stores. You're gonna have to make everything. You have to figure it all out on your own. Who would choose that? Not a successful blacksmith. Not somebody that's got a nice, comfortable home in Maryland or wherever. And the, why? Why? Why would you do that? You have to have no other option. Right. Right. All the people that came over from from whatever European nation they came from, they didn't come for an adventure. Right. They came because they were fucking starving. My family came over from Ireland because of the potato famine. They didn't. They didn't want to they had to right they were dying so they had to come so that's why everyone came desperation like desperation is what settled the west fueled by a manifest destiny which was which was a cruel very cruel you know insidious idea that a bunch of politicians had that says hey we can either send the army out there and just go to war and we've been doing that and we've been getting the shit handed to us because the Lakota were, until the repeating rifle came around, the Lakota and the Comanche, yeah. the Arapaho, even the South. I mean, they, we did not have their skill level on a horse. Their, their arrows were actually more effective than our single shot muskets. Like they were a superior army and and stayed that way. It wasn't until we started sacking villages when the Braves were gone, when their soldiers were gone, we when that dirty shit started then it started turning the tide. And then when we killed the food source, that was the end of it.
3: Yeah. which was just part of the wiping out of the buffalo. Yep. I mean, it was a commodity for sure, but it was also, there was a concerted effort to cut off their food source.
2: It was, but it was also, you know, there was a demand. The buffalo tongue was the number one delicacy in New York City. Isn't
3: that crazy? And the tongue. The tongue. Which nobody wants anymore.
2: I do and then they sold all the, they sold all the, the buffalo skins to france mm-hmm. and they made giant massive silly robes
3: well at one point in time the richest man one of the richest men in the world was uh, he dealt in beaver pelts
2: yeah i don't doubt it
3: there was fucking beaver everywhere they wiped out most of the beaver in this country
2: yeah you know but they've come back
3: yeah they've come back yeah. but not nearly to where they were
2: no but they've come back it's pretty imp- i mean it's pretty impressive how much they've come back and it's a pretty keystone species, so wherever they are, you know, they build enough dams and they create a pond, it creates a wetland. Have
3: you ever eaten beaver? No. It's good. That's what I hear. Steve Rinella was uh, it.
2: was a, a delicacy.
3: Yeah, the tail, tail's disgusting. We ate the tail. It's just all fat. They just were starving and they needed <laughs> fat. We, maybe we didn't cook it right, but Renella cooked it as best he could. But we, he made like a pot roast out of the beaver hams. Yeah. It was very good. Really? It was like really good beef. It was really? delicious, it was surprisingly good, like not like, oh, I could eat this, but like I want more like this is fucking great It was really good,
2: really, yeah, no I think the most exotic thing I ever ate and it wasn't it was kind of a similar <laughs> I'm eating what their serving situation is on this ranch outside of Stanford, Texas, and they they we barbecued up a bunch of armadillo. How was that? I was so frickin' hungry, it's, it seemed good to me. I, you know, this was well before I knew they had leprosy. <laughs> but I checked everything. I'm good. I'm 40 years in, and I'm fine. Is
3: there a temperature you have to ki- kill leprosy at, where you cook the food to,
2: like trichinosis? Uh, well, look, when you smoke, the, you smoke it for like 12 hours, so I think anything Just dead.
3: kills everything? Yeah. What does this, this armadillo taste like? It kind of tastes like
2: pork. Really? Yeah.
3: Like javelina, then? Yeah. Yeah, which just tastes a lot. Well, they even
2: look like pork. Yeah, well, yeah. they are pork. They're a peccary, yeah. right? It's like yeah, yeah. a cousin of pig. Yeah, some, somewhere. And yeah. they've crossbred, I think, with the feral hogs a bunch. Oh, have they I, really? I think. I, think.
3: Um, I shot one last year, and it turned it into chorizo. It's edible. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. But it's the edible. feral hog, I'm not... You don't want to eat those feral I've hogs. I've eaten a lot of feral hogs. Mm. Yeah.
2: The, I the, shot hey. one at
3: tajon turned into sausage.
2: Did you? It's good. Yeah. Those things are a problem. I mean, they are... They're a
3: real problem out here.
2: Oh, my gosh. and And the destruction that they that they reap on the on the ecosystem i mean that's the reason the bob white quail population has just plummeted Mm -hmm. rattlesnakes have stopped rattling because of the hogs Mm. wow yeah yeah one
3: of the first things that happened when i moved out here is ted nugent invited me to shoot hogs from a helicopter (laughs) (laughs) i was like i guess i'm in texas (laughs) welcome (laughs) come shoot hogs out of a helicopter (laughs) they're just gunning them down have you ever seen a Now,
2: no. But is that is that with Apocalypse the tannerite?
3: Now, no. Apocalypse now is Ted Nugent and this guy that calls himself Pigman, who has a show on uh, the one of the sportsmen's Channel, the Outdoor Channel. They shot like two hundred and fifty plus pigs in an afternoon, and they all did it out of helicopters. <laughs> and it's like da 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 da, <laughs> like <laughs> flying. It's fucking it's insane and you watch you're like how is this legal like i guess it's legal because you have to do it that way they, they they have so many pigs like here it is this, oh, is, yeah. this is a forklifts now <laughs> it's all slow-mos of headshots that's pig man
5: everywhere i don't want to put a number on it i'm having a hell of a time i got guys scattered everywhere all on dead pigs gutting them loading them in rangers
4: them so a
3: lot of that's the other thing the hunters for the hungry. I mean yeah, that's they, a really good. That's it's a an a really amazing good program Yeah, they shoot an incredible amount of these pigs and then Feed them to people and it, it is good man. There's a there's a guy out here named uh, Jesse Griffiths who owns a great restaurant called Dai Due in Austin and he runs uh, a school where he teaches people how to hunt. He teaches them first how to shoot rifles, then how to hunt, then uh, they hunt hogs, teaches them how to butcher them and cook them. And he's an amazing chef. And hmm. this guy, I mean, if, if you think that wild hogs taste like shit, talk to this guy. Because he, he'll knock oh it out. Oh my God, oh my God. Some of the best meals I've ever eaten in my life. He, he cooked diver duck, which everybody says are disgusting. Or I've like only a had scop. it once. Yeah, I've only had it once from him. Because they say the diver ducks eat all the shit that's at the bottom, all the muck that's at the bottom. And most people say they taste disgusting. He cooked it. It was one of the best foods I've ever eaten in my life. Really? Yeah. He just knows how to do it right. He's like, it's not that these things taste bad. It's just people don't have the knowledge of how to prepare them correctly.
2: Well, if you think about it, you know, you can go to any gun store or pawn shop and buy a 30-year-old Remington 700 with a scope on it for 400 bucks. Box of bullets is gonna cost you $30. License is gonna cost you $35. You can go shoot a hog, you can go shoot a a deer, which someone's gotta manage them. The ecosystem's demolished, so there's nothing else doing it, so they're just gonna overpopulate and disease. And you can create a year's worth of meat 600 bucks.
3: Yeah, it's incredible.
2: And then the next year you cut it down to 300, and then the next year you cut it down to 150.
3: Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. yeah it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. And it's and a you're very taking re- you're taking
2: responsibility for your own for your own food.
3: Yeah. And still there's people that think there's something wrong with that. But that's how disconnected society well, is. Well,
2: that's the look. I think one of the most absurd positions anyone can take is they're a vegan for an ethical reason it's preposterous. You could do it for a medical reason, even though I don't know what that reason would be, but maybe you can't process, you know, meat. You can't process proteins like that, but to do it from an ethical reason is absurd. And the reason I say that is I have plowed a field. It is carnage. It is 12 feet of carnage. And every single plant that you eat is going to be tilled into the ground in some capacity. So you're going to kill everything
3: love that field. famous uh, conversation that Kevin Costner has uh, in Yellowstone. I wrote, that's why I wrote it. Yeah. People
2: have to understand. You have to take ownership. That
3: same thing, Ted Nugent has say, said this on this podcast. He yeah. said, if you want to kill the most things, mm-hmm. become a vegan.
2: Yeah, 100%. If you're
3: thinking about individual life, if you don't think that one life equals one life, if you think that small things aren't as valuable as large things, that's a totally different discussion. And that's a weird discussion. But if you think that all life is sacred, well, what about the lives of the ground nesting birds, fawns, what about the lives of rodents, insects? All those things are getting
2: demolished. The average organic avocado farm in central California is going to kill, on average, around 19,000 ground squirrels a year. (sighs) That's not counting the billions of bees, because they're gonna bring the bees up from Brazil to pollinate the, the trees. And then they're going to fucking die. They're not sending them back anywhere. They're not keeping them. In some, no, they're gone. They're going to spray with some organic, which is probably just like compressed cayenne pepper. They're going to spray the trees. They're going to kill every bug, every plant, everything. All you got to do is drive I-5 through the San Joaquin Valley. And you won't see, you'll see plenty of almonds. You'll see plenty of all these different groves. You won't see any birds. You won't see anything else. Yeah. They fucking kill them all.
3: Yeah, that's a hard pill for a yeah. lot of people to swallow that think they're doing something that's ethically correct. Well, you,
2: if you look anywhere in, in the ecosystem, take man out of it. Virtually everything is is living at the expense of another organism to the degree that if a certain weed grows up over the grass, it's killing the grass. If the tree grows up, this little little sapling grows up over the grass, it's killing the grass. If the grass grows up before the weeds, it kills the weeds. It kills the flowers, it kills this. It, everything is in competition with everything else. There is not a vegan fish. There's not a vegetarian fish. Every single fish, every frog, they are e- they're eating they're eating another organism to survive. Every one of them, and that's what we did for as long as whenever we split from apes. That's what we did. Apes still do it. They talk about oh they eat fruit. They eat fruit till they get a hold those little freaking Panzer monkeys. Yeah. Then they go to town. Those chimpanzees. They
3: didn't even know about that until that David Attenborough documentary. Yeah. You ever see that one? Yeah. They're eating the, the Oh, eating dude, the they go to the war.
2: If you ever eating wonder where alive. our violent streak comes from, oh, yeah. watch Chimpanzees. Yeah. Have you
3: seen Chimp Nation? No. That's another great Netflix series. Yeah. Fuck. Incredible. They, yeah. they kill each other. They, they, they And I asked the guy, I go, how often do they kill monkeys? He goes, we really didn't show how many times they killed monkeys because they, they do it so often. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's literally their preferred food. Yeah. They, They're they going to eat the monkeys.
2: leaves and the fruits and everything until so they need that protein.
3: Yeah, they, they eat the fruit because it's easy. Yeah. But if they can find monkeys, they go after monkeys. Yeah. And they eat them alive. They just start. Chewing yeah. on him. It's just, pull, there's a there's a video of this monkey. He's like screaming while this chimp is eating him from the hips down. Just rah, rah. you see his little face, and just looks so much like us. To watch him just just get eaten alive by a chimp who also looks a lot like us is just so fucked. Yeah, that's that's the real nature. That's not vegan nature. That's not this bullshit utopian artificial paradise that people have created in their mind that they're doing if they're eating vegan. It's just not true. Unless you're growing all of your own food in your yard, unless you have a contained environment where you're composting and using mulch and you're making sure that everything that you grow, you're picking it yourself, you're just fencing it off to keep squirrels from eating it. If
2: that's not the case, you're involved in murder. But even then, even then, you don't think you're going to have a what happens when the grasshoppers come. Right. And they'll get through that fence.
3: Oh, yeah. And they'll so devastate your crops. you to yeah. have to kill the grasshoppers. You're yeah. kill the
2: grasshoppers. And then what are you going to do when the squirrel gets in? You All can't right. fence off your trees. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Well, you're either going to give away a lot of your crop, which you're not going to want to do, or you're going to come up with a way to, or you're going to run the squirrel off. Okay, well, then you just killed it because you ran it out of its habitat. So it just dies a slower death. Yeah. So that, you don't... We don't get to exist without another organism fueling our existence. Period.
3: I know it's such a hard thing for people to accept.
2: Well, I think it's because you, you, they're so dissociated. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about it in Wind River at the very end when he's given this speech to. I don't know if you've seen that one or not. I didn't. Okay. Um, so he—he, he, he, this guy—it it takes place in the wilds of Wyoming. Um, and there's a young woman who's an FBI investigator and she comes and she, she's investigating the death of a Native American woman, uh, culminates in a big gunfight and and she gets wounded, but she doesn't, she doesn't die. He visits her in the hospital, Jeremy Renner's character, who's from this area. And he says, you know, luck doesn't live in, in the wilderness. It lives in the city, you know, whether or not, uh, your car is the one that gets carjacked, whether, you know, someone, someone's on their cell phone when you're walking through the crosswalk. Uh, that's luck. But out here, you survive or you surrender. You know, wolves don't kill unlucky deer. They kill the weak ones. Yeah. And that's that's, that's reality. the reality.
3: That's the reality so of our life.
2: When you can walk from your condo to Erewhon <laughs> and buy your $19 almond butter yeah. and never ask yourself, I can tell you. I can tell you exactly right now. How much water it takes in a state with no water to make one almond. Right. It takes three gallons. Yeah. So if you want to amort it out, one almond takes three gallons. And how many almonds does one almond tree have? 10,000? Well, do the math. It's nuts. Do the math. Nothing comes without, there is an expense.
3: Nothing makes me crack up more than the stop oil people when (sighs) they're blocking the highway with clothes made with oil. Like, they have rubber... This is,
2: this, is, this is one of my, like, drive it's, me. It's fucking insane. I'm making, it's, a, I'm making a TV show about this. Are right you? Right now. Yeah, called Landman with Billy Bob Thornton.
4: Oh,
3: wow. About
2: the oil industry and about energy.
3: I love Billy Bob
2: Thornton. That's a gangster.
3: I love that dude. Gangster. He's great. Yeah.
2: And doesn't give a fuck. Does not give a fuck. And he was great in 1883, too. Oh, yeah. He's great. I love that dude. Showed up for one day, goes, what am I doing? Doing this? Great. Just perfect wicked yeah wicked that's that's when i decided i, said, I'm, I got something for you nice I think there's something we can do but people don't understand you know they're mandating all these electric vehicles in california 75 mm-hmm. percent of california's uh, electricity comes from fossil fuels um about 15 percent comes from wind and alternative energy and then they still get a little from nuclear. I don't know why everyone got off nuclear. That was like that's the, col- the
3: that's it's, the best thing for the environment. Yeah. believe it or not,
2: we we are. I spoke when I was researching landman. I, I I reached out to some guys on MIT has a climate change board. They've got a bunch of scientists that are, you know, all they're doing is trying to figure out what is our next energy source. Like what is a reliable energy source that's clean, and cold fusion is pretty much the thing that they've all penned is this is going to be the deal. Um, But they think we're 30 to 40 years from having it to where it can even generate enough power right now for the first time ever uh, they were able to create electricity with a through coal fusion that created more electricity than it took to create it. Mm. Like, so they just net zeroed it. So how long before they can make enough of it, they can make it efficient enough that someone can charge us for it and it's still affordable to us. How far off? And then the infrastructure.
3: What's the method of cold fusion? Like, I don't even know how it's
2: done. I mean, it's the same. Can you
3: Google that? Google, like, how is cold? Because I know there was a cold fusion thing a few years ago, but they decided that it wasn't, they they couldn't repeat it. But I didn't know that they've
2: actually pulled it off now. It's essentially, you're splitting an atom, but you're not, you're, you're not, you're splitting it in a manner that doesn't seem to create the waste, and I think that's the reason they're backing off nuclear. They know something about the waste that, that well, they don't want to tell us.
3: Forever, it lasts forever, and you dig holes in the ground. You got to cement it in there. Like there's spots in Nevada where they have just like fucking trenches filled with nuclear waste. Yeah, but there's also um, emerging technologies about converting nuclear waste into batteries. There was something about that that there there was some sort of technique that they were developing that was going to be able to take all of that stuff and convert it into batteries. But we have a we have a like a reasonable fear of radiation, obviously yeah. because it's you know we we know like you you Chernobyl's fucked. It's going to be fucked forever. Fukushima's fucked. It's fucked forever. It's yeah. fucked for as long as there's ever been people alive. It'll be fucked three four five times that in the yeah. future to be fucked and then we also know that you know they haven't been real forthcoming with some of the dangers of it like the depleted uranium rounds they used during the Iraq war and all these soldiers came back and they had gulf war syndrome yep. and that was uh, their 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 babies were born all fucked up and no one wanted to take responsibility for it but there's been some documentaries done on it and i think the consensus is that a lot of those cases were probably due to the depleted uranium rounds they use, because apparently those fucking things are just lethal. They just go right through tanks. Like depleted uranium rounds are the shit. But the problem is then these fucking soldiers would go to the battlefield where all this stuff had gone down, and they're breathing in. And they're taking, they're absorbing
2: all this fucking radiation, and they weren't warned. Well, look at all the, look at all the in the fifties when people used to go to Vegas and sit on the roof and watch nuclear testing. <laughs> <laughs> I had a professor <laughs> in college that was one of those guys, and got like umpteen kind of fucking different cancers. And Wasn't died that from the it. story about John Wayne? Yeah, John Wayne. Well, was John apparent- Ford. All of them died of cancer because they kept shooting in Monument Valley where they were fucking setting all these things up. Exactly. But did anybody like? definitively connect
3: John Wayne and his cancer to that? Because I think I had read something about many people that worked on those films yeah. also also got similar yeah. cancer. Yeah, but I mean, John
2: Wayne looked like he smoked cigarettes and drank a lot too. It's like I heard the guy smoke five packs a day. Yeah,
3: he looked like a guy was partying. He was on a like bit. a
2: second pig's heart. He'd had like eight different organ transplants in the <laughs> late '60s. He was actually kind of a tank that he did survived. Did he really all have this. a pig heart? Yes,
3: they really did that yeah. with him.
2: No, yeah, I think I he made a joke about it, it on the Oscars.
3: Whoa, they've actually successfully transplanted pig hearts. I'm, yeah, I mean, have him. How do I not know this? I know they've done it with a friend of mine has a, 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 another person's heart. Yeah. He I had know. a heart attack yeah, and a yeah, heart transplant. Pig
5: valve. Pig valves. Oh, you pig valves. valves. Same shit.
3: Yeah. Oh, I knew they were doing that. Yeah. They do artificial valves. My friend Everlast from House of Pain, Yeah, he can take a microphone and put it to his chest, and you can hear his fake valve going like tick, 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 Really? Tick, tick. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. He does it. You're like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you got a fucking machine inside you keeping you alive. So Does it run on the energy of his own body? Uh, it's a valve, right? So I guess it runs as the heart pumps. You know, it opens and closes just like a, the biological valve that you're born with. Yeah. But his is artificial. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think it's titanium or something like that. Like something like very durable and like, I know they're using titanium for other body parts. They're using it for um, articulating neck discs. So when people get bulging discs that turn to herniating discs and then they get degradation where the, it's pinching on the nerves, they have two options oftentimes. They'll either um, fuse you, yep. which is uh, could be fucking horrible. Yes. Or they, now they'll give you an alternative, which is an articulating disc and uh guys have had those like Al Jermaine Sterling had one of those done and then went on to defend the bantamweight title in the UFC really and defended it more than anybody and just fucking dominated people yeah until he lost to Sean O'Malley he's like i think he defended the bantamweight title more than anybody and really? he won the title And then after he won the title, he he got kneed in the head during the title fight. It was kind of a bad deal. Like, he won the title by disqualification. So a lot of people hated him, and they discredited him. Then he got this operation, had this disc replaced in his neck, and then they had the rematch, and he fucking dominated the dude. Really? With a fake disc in his neck. So it really was fucking them up. The children of John Wayne, Susan Hayward, and Dick Powell fear that fallout killed their parents.
1: This is from 1980.
3: Article wow.
1: From, uh, 1980. Twenty cast members. It says 91 had contracted cancer.
3: Wow. Oh my god! And this is pre-internet, kids. And that's at that point too, 1980. So right, but this is, you got to think this is like. It was difficult to track down this kind of information back then, and then to put it out on People Magazine. That's pretty wild.
1: It was because of where they were doing uh, St. George.
3: (sighs) Only 137 miles from Atomic Testing Range at Yucca Flat, Nevada. Yeah, they just blew shit up out there. Have you ever seen the map? There's a video of uh, the map of the United States, and it's a, it's actually the map of the world. But a lot of them happen in the United States, and it shows all the nuclear tests that are happening all around the world. Like when they first did it, like it shows the Trinity bomb, boom, and then it's like, boom, 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 boom. And then it gets into the 50s.
1: Boom, 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 boom. Watch this. Go to the first one. This goes on for 15 minutes. So I know, I but it's amazing.
3: It <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to watch the full 15 minutes. Can you like triple speed or something? Uh, Doesn't uh, it do that? We did the, it the other day, right? Speed. Playback speed, normal. Two? Yeah. So that's I can do. Okay. So just watch a little bit of this. So the first one goes off. Boom, boom. They're doing them in the ocean. Because that's great for the it
1: fish. It also at the top will tell you who's doing them. So like the right. first couple are us.
3: Five of them, So we've, we're five in now. It's the United States. Eight United States. We're like, I'm not sure if it works. Let's keep doing it. These are all in the ocean, by the way. That's so far the ones we've seen. Now Russia starts popping off. Oh shit, Russia's got one. Boom, they did a test. And we're like, oh bitch, we're going to have to do some more tests now. <laughs> You guys think you got a nuclear bomb, motherfucker? We got 500,000 of them. 16, 17. Now, by this time, in 1951, the United States has 24, and Russia has 3. This is 1952. I mean, here, now, now the United States has 39. Now, (laughs) look at this. We go up to 45, like, quick. And then Russia goes to eight. They're trying to keep up. Australia
2: snuck some in there. Oh, did they really? Look at that. They got three. Or or Great Britain, did they just decided to set it off in Australia.
3: Yeah, that's probably what they did. Look at this. The United States has got 66 now. We're just popping off. So now these are all happening in Nevada. You're seeing them all pop off in the United States, uh, so far at least, in that same area, which has got to be Nevada. See there? Look at They're all popping off in that same area. It's all one. <laughs> we are just nuked one spot of like, the country, and then we let gambling in. <laughs> that was 40 in like a year.
2: You know, we... <laughs> oh, my
3: God. It's so insane. We so talk about all these things. Yeah, right
1: here. Ni- October 1956, we're at 87. Oh, that's
3: so insane. And th- no one could tell them no. Here's the thing. It's like they are the, literally the people running the
2: world back then.
1: And by March of 58, we're at
2: 121. Whoa! Oh, how so, nuts. Question. So we're setting off thermonuclear weapons, and pretty soon here, probably some hydrogen bombs. There
1: you go, 67, we're at 510.
3: Jesus Christ!
2: And we talk about things... (laughs)
3: That's so insane! We talk
2: about things that warm the planet? Yeah, that did a lot of warming, for sure. I've never heard, no one's mentioned the half a thousand nuclear bombs we set off. Here's the question.
3: I know that the the fallout from... like meltdowns, when reactors meltdown, that's pretty significant. That's a big deal. But how much of a big deal is the fallout from bombs going off? Like, there's people that live in Fukushima now, right? Or or, or Nagasaki right now, right? They, they live in Japan in the areas that got hit. They yeah. live in Hiroshima. It's like, it's okay there now, right? So how long is it, like, those areas I, I, where they t- did the test, like, what's it like now? Is there, it
2: fucked? Is it? I did read, at one point, I was reading a lot about all the cancer problems they were having, just like in Chernobyl, that they were having in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and those areas. Uh, and I don't know if they're still having those Right, that was my question. Was, three like, generations was this later. right
3: after the bombs where the people that survived, that they got
2: all that horrible radiation and then- I think it came in waves. I think there was a lot of cancers in like the three to five years afterwards. Mm. And then again in 10, 15, we could probably look it up. Um, but it was, it was a continuous-
1: the rush account jumps really fast here in one month. It jumped. It did like sixty or so in one little area, and it looks like July. No, yeah, September of sixty-one. Oh boy, did you see that it went to, sixty bombs went off. That's it the right dude. Here. That's
3: Khrushchev. That's the dude who banged his fucking shoe on the on the desk. Remember, he <laughs> said, "We will bury you." See, find that. That's the, that. You want to think how scary things are now? You want to think of. What it was like in the 1960s when Khrushchev is yep. banging his fucking his heel on the. Let, let me hear it because the the fucking tone of his voice.
1: This is beat to the rhythmic shoes. Out oh,
3: they made a song out of yeah. it.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> of course, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. That's two times also. That that was a scary fucking time, and those are people that had lost millions and millions and millions of soldiers in World War II.
2: Oh, yeah. What, yeah. 20 million
3: Russians died in? Yes. Something like
4: that.
3: We live on earth not by the grace of God. No, sir, by your grace, by the strength and intelligence of the great people of the Soviet Union and all the peoples which are fighting for their independence. You will not be able to smother the voice of the peoples. The voice of truth which rings aloud and will go on ringing. Death and destruction to colonial servitude. Away with it. We must bury it and deeper the better. He didn't bang a shoe. So when does he bang a shoe?
1: Oh, it didn't they appear cut in the coverage, but that other video I had definitely showed him banging right. a shoe. Right.
3: Oh, so they they edited they it edited out. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe they're like, "That's a little intense. Let's calm that guy down. Let's get him a vodka."
1: See, there's something. So yeah, yeah. here he is well, he's banging, banging shoe. a shoe. Bunch of stuff. That's like a gavel or something. Oh, that could be a shoe. I think that's a shoe. Looks like a shoe and it bounces. Yeah, I think.
3: That's but this a is shoe. that's all theater. It is all theater, but it's a terrifying theater it's because terrifying they're actually theater.
2: killing people. Well, the way that they're controlling their own people is by. Th- threatening they're, they're basically saying the united states is threatening our existence uh-huh yeah and, and that's the exact same thing that that yeah that the american government said about the soviet union and and that's all that those nuclear testings were it's it's a dick measuring it's just like look what we could do what yeah we got
3: it's all that's where communism goes kids it seems like a great idea it seems like we should all share money you know we should like we shouldn't be so materialistic and if we just pooled all our money together everybody would have enough and we wouldn't have to worry about anything and
2: then the government just tells you what your job is i just want someone to show me an example of it working it doesn't work just show me
3: one it, it, it works in small groups that's where it works if you can get a small group of bad motherfuckers well here's where it works you could be communists
2: you could make the <laughs> argument that the plains indians tribes were communist you could make that right argument.
3: right right okay. cuz they didn't understand possessions
2: they would well, just they, they, they Everything, and so I'll take the Lakota, for example. Everything was predicated. Your wealth was basically how many horses you had, and, and those horses you stole from another nation, another tribe. You know, the, the, the Lakota would steal from the Pawnee. They would steal from the Crow. Everybody stole from the crow. They were all raiding um, each other, which yeah. is an
3: important point that is kind of left out of the narrative.
2: And it's also, and they would, then they would obviously kidnap. And one of the reasons that they did that was, you know, these are all familial tribes, and it's survival. So we need a new bloodline to get in there. Isn't that and wild? So, yeah. They just, also had low birth rates because of the riding of the horses, so, and probably the, the low body fat too, because it's a right. purely for the large. For the most part, it's a it's a pure protein diet.
3: And they're just eating meat. And, they were carnivorous yeah. completely.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. They would have, you know, there, there were certain things: miners lettuce and various, you know, annual, you know, seasonal fruits and stuff they could thing find. that they could find. But but come winter, man, that's six months. It's it's you're eating beef jerky. Mm. You know. Yeah. And horses.
3: And that's why they're following the buffalo. And yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that is. The way to do it. <laughs> like, but that's like, the thing is the people be, that live notice, that way
2: like communism worked in that thing because what did we remove from it money right right as soon as you right. as soon as you take a trinket and you assign a value to that trinket then you, then people need to go be able to earn that trinket.
3: That's such a good point. And
2: and if you look at communism there's plenty of rich people in communist countries real rich. They just all work for the Communist Party. Yeah. Right. Um, it's I did a lot of research on Cuba. For a project. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, they're given a ration of food. Every month you get this. You're going to get a certain amount of eggs. You're going to get a certain amount of, you're going get a sack of beans. You're going to get your flour. You're going to get your sugar. You're going to get this. You're going to get your coffee and you're going to get your rum because we'd prefer you stay nice and liquid and happy. Right. But you're not going to get to choose where you live. You're not going to get to choose your job. Yeah. He's not going to get to do that. And they, I I was studying up on this thing because I was writing about a fisherman, and if you and they live on an island, so you could think, well, they could just go out and catch fish and lobsters and eat that. No, that belongs to the state. If you are caught with a lobster, you're going to prison. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. So so you sacrifice <sighs> any freedom. So yeah, you may have you may have free health care. How good is it? I don't know. Um, but but you don't get to determine your own path.
3: It's a gangster system. And then they have their athletics program, which is just off the charts. They produce some of the fucking craziest athletes in yeah. combat sports, particularly in combat sports. I know, I know they do in other things, but Phil Stevenson, who was the guy who was the, um, the uh, rival to Muhammad Ali, but he never left amateur boxing. He just won the gold medal. I don't know how many fucking years he won in a row. But he, everybody was like, if we could get this guy out of Cuba, this is a guy that could actually test Muhammad Ali. He was that good. Really? And he was just in the in their Cuban program. And everyone was terrified of him, because amateur boxers, they reach a certain level of ability, and they get a good record going. And either they go to the Olympics, and if they can medal, that can ensure they get a big purse in their first few fights. Yeah. Olympic gold medalist, Pernell Whitaker, yeah, crowd, America, America. But if they don't, they just get enough experience where they can go professional. But in Cuba, they never go professional. So you get guys that are 15, 16 years into a boxing career that's essentially always been professional. Always right. been with the most elite coaches. The most elite sports drugs, like whatever the fuck they have. Whatever right. therapies they have. They're not natural. Like, you're you're going to take whatever the fuck we give you. <laughs> and that's what they did with Russia as well. Yeah. and China. So... How many times did he win the gold medal? 3
1: golds in a row. Jesus wow. Christ. And 3 this...
3: golds in a row. That's 12 years of gold medals.
1: Then all these other golds too at other events. Yeah, all
3: these different events. I mean, he was the fucking man. He was wow. the fucking man. So what you're essentially dealing with is like a Mike Tyson type dude who's at like that level of like world championship caliber boxing, but you're having him fight amateurs. So everybody else is just trying to get together a career so they can go off into the professionals. This guy can never be professional. So he is a professional. Right. So he's the best in the fucking world, but he's just not getting paid to fight Muhammad Ali on television. Right. He might I mean Ali might have beat him, Frazier might have beat him, Foreman might Some of those guys might have beat him, but he never got we never got to see it. But right. what we did see is like that caliber of boxing come out of Cuba. And some of the scariest guys that have ever fought in the UFC have come out of Cuba. Yoel Romero the freakiest of freak athletes of all time came out of Cuba really yeah He's like he never won the gold in the UFC, but he got to the fucking game when he was like 36 Really? Yeah, man. He's like in his 40s now and just jacked Natural still fighting I told the story before I apologize people have listened But the UFC brought him to a doctor because he had a broke his orbital bone in a fight He got a, And they brought him to this doctor and the doctor uh, contacts the UFC and says, where did you get this guy? And he goes, he's uh, one of our fighters. They go, I've never seen a guy like him. He goes, yeah, yeah, he's he's amazing, right? He goes, no, 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 no. you don't understand. Like, I've never seen a human being like this. I've been a doctor for 35 years or whatever it was. He goes, the tendons in his eyes are three times larger than a normal person's. He goes, he's already healing. He goes, the bone that's fractured in his orbital is very really healing. It started to heal. It's like, where'd you get this guy? Where the fuck did you get this guy? Have you ever seen him? Wait, look, I just wanted to see what he looks like. That's oh, Yoel Romero. Shit. Bro, and he's in his 40s here. In his 40s. And he's a fucking amazing guy. An amazing guy. He came in here and did a podcast with me, and Joey Diaz translated. So he can only speak limited, limited English. But he was talking about Cuba. He was like...
4: Where you at in Cuba?
3: There's so many, so many guys. They're killers and killers and you become a, a machine. You become a machine. And I was like, oh my God. what <laughs> <laughs> that guy went through. So that that is also a part of what Cuba is. They're forced into this. If you were at the best level, you get to eat three times a day. Yeah. But if you're at the other level, you get to eat twice a day and you don't get to sleep in the good places you get to sleep in the shit places. So all these guys are training with each other, all fighting for these spots literally for food. Fucking crazy. Stevenson then 22 years old was rewarded with a house for himself in Havana and another for himself and his family in I don't know how to say that, Delicias. Delicias. Uh, Stevenson later recalled, I had no idea a house in Delicias was going to be so big. When I was shown the plane, I said, "What is this? A bunker?" Uh, the plans, rather. He said, What is this, a bunker? Um, so they, they gave him stuff. They yeah. gave him like houses two and house shit. And two cars. Yeah. They, he, they would treat them well. They did that also for the Soviet athletes. Right. Like, like uh, guys like Karelin, the, the guy who's that's another experiment. They literally called him the experiment. Really? You don't know who he is? No. I should've showed you the photo in the gym. There's a photo of him that I have out there just constantly, I need a constant reminder of what a pussy I am. And it's this <laughs> photo of Corellin who was like six 300 pounds and moved like a cat. Oh,
2: I know, I know exactly yeah. who this guy is, yeah. He would
3: Literally, his move was to pick guys up and smash them into the ground. So look at his face. Yeah. He was beating you up with the world. So everybody else was trying to wrestle. And what Corellan was doing was wrestling so that he could beat you up with the world. (laughs) He's hitting you, boom, into the world with all of his weight and all of your weight. And he just kept picking people up and and slamming slamming (laughs) them, and he would let them go back to the ground and he'd pick them up again and slam them and he did it to everybody. (laughs) Nobody could stop it. He was that much of a freak. And his parents were little, like little folks, regular size folks, 5'5", 5'7", just little tiny folks. And he's just this fucking
2: human cat. <laughs> he just got <laughs> just a human double dose cat. of whatever yeah. their best genes were. So
3: that's the other side of communism. Like, they'll force you into this program. And the killers, the guy's like, this is him. Look at look what you do to people. This guy's this a fucking, that's a national champion from some country. And Karellen just got a hold of him. He's just going to fuck him up. Boom! So he's just throwing you into the ground over and over and over and over again. Watch how he does this. Boom! The fucking amount of power involved in that is absurd. That's a 260-pound man, and he's just hurling him around. So that's the plus side of communism. You can get some amazing athletes if you do it right. You're farming athletes. Yeah. I mean, they're essentially like the best of the best doing it that way. We could do it better here, for sure. We definitely could do it. We have the best athletes, for sure. If you'd looked at like, the, you watch the NFL, you watch the UFC, oh, yeah. you watch, the best athletes are, are right here. Even if they've moved here to become a part of this, like Francis Ngannou who came to America, the best athletes are here, it seems. There's a lot of really good ones in other countries. They're real close, but man, when it comes to like super freak athletes, there's, capitalism seems to be the way to go. <laughs> it, seems, it seems to be that's especially yeah. capitalism if you don't drug test them well. That's yeah, if you can way. get a little
2: sloppy on the drug testing, it's going to help. Yeah,
3: that'd be nice, guys. <laughs> if I was running shit, like, like I would do, th- th- you know, the UFC has USADA, and then they got rid of USADA, and now they have Drugs Free Sport, which is going to do a similar program, but just do it more logically in their perspective. Um, the, the, the USADA would, like, sometimes wake fighters up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning, the day of the weigh-ins. Which is terrible. Uh, Terrible. Because they're cutting weight and they're just...
2: Right, they're exhausted, they're they're dehydrated. And now
3: you're gonna test them on the day of a weigh-in? That's so stupid. Like, you don't have to do that. You can catch them. If they're doing something, you're gonna catch them. And if they're not doing something, let them go through this fucking insane process without disturbing them. The weight cut is an insane process. And nobody, people who have never seen it before, don't know how nutty it is, but I think they should be able to do some stuff. I think they should be able to do some stuff. I really do. I think it's science. I think it helps you heal better. I think there should be like rational limits of what you can and can't do. You know, I don't think you should be able to do full on like Tren and steroids and right. wild shit. No, but, but can I think... you
2: can you do peptide therapy? Can you No,
3: do... that's my problem.
2: That isn't one hundred percent my problem. If you with look it. at and I've done it, if you look at the at the NFL's rule of all the mm. shit you can't take. Yeah. Like One of those guys could go to GNC and pick something up and end up testing.
3: It happens with the UFC all the time. And it happens with guys that 100% are
2: not taking steroids. Yeah, they got some creatine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and there was who knows what they mixed it on or the creatine spiked too high or did something. Well, that
3: was one thing that UFC's drug program did a fantastic job of. If you went to the USADA website, there was a full list of all of the things that if you bought, you would piss hot. So it's like whenever they find like a contaminated, because like one of the things we found out when we started on it, when we started this uh, supplement company with uh, my friend Aubrey and myself, when we started making this uh, vitamin called alpha brain, we had a certain amount of ingredients that were in there. And so then we would get it third-party tested. And so then we get it third-party tested and third-party tested like, um, you guys have uh, this in there too. Like, what is that? Why is that in there? Well, it turns out when you're getting your stuff mixed, they're not really cleaning those barrels
2: out real good. Right. They're just tossing shit in. and
3: Right. So if you're buying like fucking super pump from you know, the vitamin shop, whatever it is, you know, that has like something that's supposed to boost your testosterone and they're making it in the same place where they're making real roids. You're, yeah. They're, well, then you're looking, getting, you going to get a little, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get it. Some of the stuff that works, works because it's roids. Right. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like those gas station dick pills. It's probably just Viagra. Uh-uh. Not according, I've never tried them, but not according to my friend Brian, who was a, a gas station dick pill addict for a while. He says they're steroids. He goes, they have to be steroids. Because really? they make you so aggressive, and they give you so much energy, and he goes, your dick is hard as a rock. He goes, I was addicted <laughs> to them." So there's just to cellless... see a
2: big spike in sales of like dragon fire or whatever they call yeah. that shit well, after they, this. They
3: did find out that a lot of them had Viagra in it, and it's one of the reasons why they kept getting pulled. But they would get pulled, and they'd come back with a new name. So they're all done like with foreign companies and right. sneaky companies. So they'd be, it would be like you know like black rhino would be one, and then like <laughs> that would be like white rhino would be the new one. Right. Like you got, got, got rhinos, we got the white rhinos. Okay, give me one of them. <laughs> and people were essentially going to gas stations and buying these wild unknown amphetamines spliced in with Viagra, spliced in with steroids. What That's exactly are rhino pills? Some Rhino products contain sildenafil uh, cedenaf- or Tadafafil, according to the FDA. Well, these are respectively uh, the active
1: ingredients of Viagra and Cialis. Yeah.
3: yeah. But I think they also had some other stuff in there, man. They had some other stuff in there.
1: Minerals, herbs, vitamins, enzymes, amino acids. It doesn't have to say what they are. Right. It could be anything. Maybe
3: also steroids. Yeah. Maybe yeah, also steroids. Maybe also. Wind yeah. <laughs> there's some stuff that you could take in oral form that I guarantee they, that's not expensive. And if you can get people like my friend Brian, who's like completely addicted to these fucking things, he's buying them all the time. He did, didn't he do like reviews of gas station dick pills? <laughs> Brian Redbin, you're the man. Oh, uh, that's genius. He did, right? He did reviews. Yeah
1: talked about it enough they were all reviews here. he's
3: a character man this is a dude who uh, when Pepsi Spice got made he developed a website called pepsispice.com because they didn't have the, the they didn't have the domain so he bought the domain so he bought Pepsi Spice and then documented him drinking Pepsi Spice all day long and horrible diseases happened to him. He's fucking, his life's falling apart. He's losing weight. He was making it up. He just made up this fake blog about dying while drinking too much <laughs> Pepsi Spice. Really? Yeah. This is the Dick dick pill guy. He's, did, an, he's a
2: maniac. Did Pepsi ever go like, hey... I uh, think they did.
3: I think they did. And <laughs> I think they like backed off. i like to you to our attorney. Yeah. I think they fucked up, though, and not getting the domain. And this guy had the domain. And then they're concerned, is this guy actually drinking 15 gallons of Pepsi spice a day? Does he really... <laughs> is he having fucking cholera? Like, what's <laughs> happening to this kid? But how did we get on this tangent? It was all about... No, we uh, D UFC uh, allowing peptides.
2: Oh, and, yeah. And we got there from... Nuclear waste and yeah. we got there from uh coal fusion. That's a pretty good
3: bit nice little run. Yeah, yeah it's um We're in a weird time in this country where where people are so divided that they don't even want to look at the actual truth of things If they have like an ideological position on things They just want to only hold on to that and never open their mind up to other people's perspectives and It's also at a time where more people have access to information than ever before So it's so easy to change your perspective today Cause there's so much information you can, you can always get new information
2: and there seems to be a between both political parties, a, a a feverish need for control that I don't ever recall. You know, you can watch the, the debates between there's a, there's a real funny, funny one between Reagan and Mondale. And, uh, and Reagan says at one point, you know, age, he was seventy four maybe when he was running for reelection. Um, and his age was an issue. That that might be an issue in this upcoming election. Um, That'll he,
3: be a spring chicken in this election. Yeah,
2: and and Reagan said, um, he said, listen, I, I'm not going to allow uh, age to be a, a, an issue in this debate. I will not hold my uh, my my the other candidates. Uh, Youth and inexperience against him I mean he just turned it into a joke, yeah. but it was a joke and Mondale laughed I think they shook hands. It was a it was a civilized debate about what's the way to run this country? Um, that's pretty quick right there. He did look pretty old back then
0: campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my Opponents youth and inexperience
3: <laughs> In what Mondale laughed. yeah, what a better time back then what a better time yeah. these and two it's... guys are in a debate And he's just like, oh, you got me. Good job. He just took it on the chin. Yeah, Like a man. How come they can't do that anymore? Look, Even the fucking guy. I
0: might add, Mr. Truitt, I might add that uh, it was Seneca or it was Cicero, I don't know which, that said, if it was not for the elders correcting the mistakes of the young, there would be no state. Mr. President, I'd like to head for the fence and try to catch that one before it goes over, but, but I'll go on to another question.
2: So it was a time when you really feel like, and forget political leanings, um, both of those guys, it seemed, uh, you know, they had different ideas about the way to get to the same place. Yeah, And I think we're in a very unique place right now where no one's even talking about where we're trying to go. This is really about thought and beliefs. No one's talking policies. I haven't heard anyone talk about various policies in frickin' four years. What we're talking about is which by the way when you when you're talking about what you can believe and what's this and we're going to argue about arbitrary things that aren't arguable really um, And we keep our focus on that and everyone's so impassioned about their position on some social issue uh, That we have no solution to uh, Then you don't focus on a 34 trillion dollar debt You don't focus on the fact that we're so reduced in our in our position on the world stage There was a there was a time when our, our military and our political resolve was so aligned that nobody wanted to fuck with us. And we could sit there and, and say, hey guys, we're not going to have a war in Ukraine. We're just not going to do it. And they go, okay. You know, if you think about nine eleven, and and George W. Bush was not a very popular president at that moment in time. And, and people have forgotten that Al Gore and, and the Democratic Party and I didn't vote for George W Bush um, they they questioned they contested that election then they said it was it was yeah. rigged they said it was this they took it to the Supreme Court it was we, we didn't have a president really for almost two months
3: was that the dangling chads? yeah that was the hanging
2: chance hanging um, and then cut to you know a, a year later and uh, and and he's woefully unpopular uh, and then 9/11 happens and he gave a speech, uh, the best speech of his, of his entire uh, presidency, I thought, uh, that galvanized the nation. And I remember, and I lived in LA at the time when that happened. And, uh, and everybody was, they'd see a fireman or a policeman and they'd say, Hey, thank you for your service. Like, let me buy you a cup of everybody in LA. Yeah. yeah. And there was a sense of the sacrifice these guys and these men and women took on and we were really unified, uh moving forward against what we needed to do to protect our sovereignty and protect the people of the country. Then it got fucked up and then it became about oil and became about a bunch of other things. But we... there was
3: a time that time was the best of us. That time I remember driving to work and I was driving down the street and every fucking car had an American flag on it. Yeah. My friend Jay London used to sell them. Sell these little but American. I don't know. Yeah, everyone had, Every, everyone had them. Everyone had them. This so is popular. Los Angeles. We're, this yeah. is in LA. Yeah. A, a, as liberal a city as there is in America. They woke, they woke right the fuck up. Yeah, they didn't... And everybody came together and people were nicer for a while. It was yeah. interesting. It was a really unique time. Um, but it didn't last. You're right. It didn't last. But also, it was like, wait, why are we going to Iraq? It got real squirrely, real fast. Yeah, well, that's. And the weapons of mass destruction thing and all that other stuff. It's like, God damn it. Like, we had the world's. Faith and love for a little bit, but we did. We did what we do. We did what we always do.
2: Yeah, we found a way to make a business of it. Well, it's what people do. Yeah. That's their job. It's unfortunately. it's human nature, and you're not going to find it. You know, yeah. I consider you can pick the historical moment, and we can find someone who exploited it.
3: That's why it's fascinating to watch um, something like 1883, because you're seeing human beings exploiting human beings in this very raw way. Like, one thing that really got me was the robbers, the groups of robbers. Because I didn't really take that into consideration either. But there was, it wasn't just that you had to worry about the Comanche. You had to worry about these groups of robbers who would just show up and kill everybody.
2: That actually, uh, you know, if you look at statistics, bandits killed more of these immigrants moving north and people on the Oregon Trail than, than the Native Americans did. Wow.
4: I
3: never even considered that until the show. I mean, I knew they existed, but I didn't think of them as that big of a factor well, you for gotta, whatever reason.
2: Well, it's this: it's an area with absolutely no governance, no rule of law, right. whatsoever, none. And I think that's something that people need to be thinking about now. You know, we, we've got. I always think, what's what, what? What what am I leaving my son? What's the world like in thirty years for him? Right, and decisions made now, we sit here and break rules. Uh, that are clearly established in a constitution, which has existed for a couple hundred years and and held this place together. Um, When we start manipulating that document to to maintain relevance for a very short-term goal for a politician or for one specific cause, whatever that cause is, when we start manipulating that and abandoning the rule of law, yeah, when we start doing that, thirty years from now, that benchmark is what's going to be used against all the people that pushed it right now.
3: That's what scares me right now about all this talk about primaries, about limiting people from primaries. There's been, fi- see if you can find this. They were saying that many states have chosen to only have Joe Biden on, to, to vote for in the primaries.
2: And and you know it's but
3: that here, sounds
2: here's, s- here's like such a bad idea. Here's my this is my point where, and, and you, people could think of Donald Trump however they want to think of Donald Trump. It, it doesn't really matter who the individual is. Um, a, a court in Colorado is going to essentially uh, make a decision based upon uh, a trial that has not happened yet. In other words, they're basically saying he's guilty of something that he hasn't been tried for, and therefore they're removing him from a ballot. Right. Um, th- and, and, and right now, maybe, the Democrats... Uh, Feel as though they're justified in that action because they're so terrified of what Donald Trump may do if he becomes president again Uh, But are they thinking about what's gonna happen in 20 years or 30 years because this has now been established and at some point The Republicans will gain control. They will get a majority in the Senate again. We look through history It just swings back and forth. It's gonna for eight years It's this and eight years It's that so another party will be in control and that party can use all of these manipulations of rules to maintain control and, and that's when you start to have a dictatorship yeah. at the end of the day, regardless and, of who's left, right, doesn't make a difference.
3: Exactly. And if you let that happen, Biden won't have challengers in North Carolina 2024 primary elections. The state Democratic Party decides North Carolina Democratic Party declined to allow any Biden challengers on the ballot for the 2024 primary they made a similar effort in 2020 attempting to put only Donald Trump on the ballot that year. And both of those are
2: terrible ideas. Both of
3: those are terrible ideas. This is why they in order to get on the ballot, you need to have donors in the state and actively campaigning in the state. Neither of them have been here this cycle. Who are the other people?
1: Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson.
3: How crazy is it? Who's Dean? Who the fuck are you, Dean? I never heard your voice.
1: <laughs> I've never seen your face.
3: Minnesota. <laughs> Come on, right let me see Dean. Imagine if Dean pulls it off. Maybe Dean's the man.
2: I don't even know. Isn't Marion Williamson Look at him. like a self-help writer? Um,
1: that's what it said
3: right there, yeah. Uh, she's a self-help writer? Self-help author yeah. from California. <laughs> 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 uh, I want to think highly of everybody without prejudice, but if you tell me you're a self-help author from California, I automatically go, what? <laughs> Kinda,
2: that's like a mini- She's going to have to do a lot of counseling when she gets to D.C. Yeah.
3: I mean, is she going to self-help the world? Maybe she's Maybe she's good. I don't know but either one of them have almost no chance against biden anyway right so why why are they limiting people's choice you should never limit people's ability to choose i mean maybe those people can get on a debate stage and rock the world and all of a sudden there's a big movement behind them but that's supposed to be what it's about kids that's supposed to be what the whole thing is about. If someone 100%. comes along and they're more compelling candidate, you're supposed to get them. It's it's not the party is not supposed to be able to decide who the guy is against the will of the people because that's a lot like communism, kids. It, it's it's it is it's fascist. It is it's it, fascist. It, it's crazy. It's crazy that you think you could do it because you think your team is right. We're
2: the we're the good guys. Well, if you think you're so right, then why won't you allow? your positions to be challenged, so that you can prove how much better they are. Because they have the ability to
3: enact control. And when you give people the ability to enact control, they always take it. That's why you have to always resist them moving those fucking boundaries. Because it's just human nature. You could call it evil, you could say all these different things, you could call it greedy, it's human nature to want more. And when you have a certain amount of control and you can get a lot more things done with more control, you try to get more control. And then you try to figure out strategies. How do we, what what can we do in order to make uh, it important that we pass a new law so now we have the NDAA, now we have the Patriot Act, now we have this. Now, okay, now we've got a lot more control. Now we have the NSA spying on everybody. much more control. It's much, and every time this happens, you get more and more.
2: The problem is those politicians it doesn't matter if you're a congresswoman from Indiana or California or Texas. Yes, you, you were elected by a, a certain district and you're representing that district. But you're also representing every other citizen of the United States. You're a U.S. congressperson. Okay? And you swore an oath to uphold the Constitution above and beyond everything else. And they're manipulating the document for very short term game. And I'm not blaming. They're all doing it. And, and, yeah. and people need to wake up to that. Because they're going to they're going to manipulate it in a way that is going to look there's there's plenty of countries in this in this world that have elections Uh, they have a now we're not a democracy we're a republic but they have their free elections and they got one candidate yeah. I was guess pooped what? in Russia, right? That candidate always seems to win. Crazy. overwhelming majority. Weird. Isn't that shocking?
3: Crazy how that happens. Yeah. And anybody who's a rabble rouser gets shot. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. perfect. It's just, we should know this by now, you know? Listen, how about you leave the document alone, we'll let you keep the you insider trading. Just like, well look, <laughs> well, look aside. I'm not hating the game. I'm yeah, not hating the did player. Did you see that?
2: I saw a really interesting thing about these senators on both sides that have been in for 20 30 years mm-hmm. they make 175,000 a year and, they're worth and their hundreds net are millions 85 million 195 million <laughs> they're really good just... investors oh Taylor. really yeah that's they are
3: that's it they're really good investors some people are good at it
2: okay maybe not
3: so good at it sorry they just they're prescient they're like you know maybe there's a room that you can go to in the white house and you could just you know, the, I think, the universe I gives think, you I think we've
2: we've hit a point to where, and this was a pretty popular conversation in the 80s and 90s, and then it just disappeared. I think we got to start talking about term limits.
3: Yeah, that's a good idea. Term limits are a good idea when you see someone like Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Because she's like the best at riding out that wave.
2: Oh, yeah. You With know, her about, day trader husband?
3: Yeah. How about Feinstein? She wrote it out until, until she, she was died. literally dying, yeah. and they're telling her who to vote for.
2: Yeah. They're just pushing her out there. I think maybe it's going to probably take two terms to even figure out what you're doing in the House of Representatives? My favorite is Mitch McConnell. Oh, dude. When he just switches off.
3: (laughs) That dude just switches (laughs) off. Hey, we've got some octogenarians up in there right now. Yeah, once you switch off once, you can't drive anymore. Okay, you're not allowed to drive. You just switch off. Okay, Grandpa, Grandpa, give me the fucking keys. Yeah. Okay, and so you're driving what? What are you you doing? what, What are you doing? You're involved in important decisions for the entire world?
2: Should there be age limits? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Or at least an aptitude test. An
3: aptitude test, but also dependent upon future aptitude tests and future physical fitness evaluations. Yeah. That's what I think. I yeah. think if you, you can't just say every 75-year-old is the same as every other 75-year-old. Because look at Robbie Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy Jr. is like, how old is he, 69? He looks... Fucking yeah. great. Fit. He's fit. He's yeah. always at Gold's Gym. Je- he works out in jeans for some strange reason. I don't know why he does that.
2: <laughs> it's some old school shit. I guess it's some they old school shit. They skied in them back in the day. Yeah. They'd scotch guard their jeans and go skiing.
3: Yeah. Um, that's where actually, I first met him. I met him in Aspen, just randomly. Really? Yeah. I was up there with my- I don't ski. I sk- used to ski, but my last accent, I was like, that's right. I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm I'm like that's the
2: Horses are dangerous. I have a
3: friend it. of mine who has a fake knee because of it. Huh. He went skiing, he tore his knee apart, and he had to get an artificial knee. Yeah. Fuck that. I know it's fun. I get it. But anyway, I ran into him there and uh, he looks fucking jacked. Look at him. Yeah. That's a 69 year old guy. Now, uh, there's a lot of dudes that I know that are 69 that don't look anything like that. I mean, no disrespect, Ron White, but put Ron White's body <laughs> next to Robert Kennedy Jr.'s yeah. body. I mean, the guy's fucking really fit. That's fake. That's fake. Yeah, yeah, that one's fake. But the, the real ones are very impressive. Yeah. My, my point is it's like, okay, that guy, I don't have a problem with his age at all. Yeah, you know he's obviously very bright. He's constantly writing books. He's he's a brilliant environmental lawyer. But then there's other guys like they get to like like he. You think of that, okay? That's only five years younger than Reagan in that video.
2: Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah, there's a difference. No, somewhere at seventy, yeah, you should have to take uh, some type of aptitude test and a physical fitness test, and then maybe every two years after.
3: Yes, for sure, and maybe for driving. I'm too.
2: pretty sure after a certain age. Uh, you have to have an annual driver's test.
3: Is it? I yeah, think, you should. Uh, something like that. Maybe in some states it varies. I don't know. But you should definitely, because my grandpa, when he, before he died, whew, he would take me out, and I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> and my grandpa had an old Buick, this big-ass, was it a Chrysler? Chrysler, old Chrysler, this big-ass fucking car. So it was like one of those boats, that, like when you turn the wheels, like. and he couldn't see anymore. like he And he yeah. didn't want to admit it, so he didn't want to not, you know, he didn't want to not drive, but he couldn't see. It was, it was fucking sketchy, and he couldn't drive at night at all. But he yeah, just no. take us out. We were like seven, like gripping the <laughs> fucking seats, like Jesus, grandpa.
2: <laughs> and those old Chrysler's, you know, there's about this much play in the wheel. You very, right?
3: Yeah, you got so much play, you can't make any fast maneuvers. No. <laughs> they don't handle at all. But yeah, that for for running the fucking most important army the world has ever known. Yeah, you probably should have aptitude tests. If you're going to be the president, like yeah. there should be there should be some way we can tell if there's like a foolproof way we can tell you're not falling apart. But do you really think Joe Biden would t- pass that test? He wouldn't have passed that test before he
2: became president and he's aging rapidly while he's president. Every 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 president in my lifetime, you've watched them. Think about some of the younger presidents, George W. Bush and Obama. You know, they went in there in their 40s. With a full head of dark hair. Yep, and that is not how they left.
3: They got scared.
2: I mean, the that pressure is not, of that job well, the must pressure. be insane. And the and the, and you know what it's like. And this is, there's no comparing the two. But but just how ragged you can get run if you're going to go do a comedy show here and then there and then there and you're just living out of a suitcase and then you got to say this. You got to be on. Yep. I mean it takes a toll. Yeah, um, when I go direct, I mean. If I go on a six-month, which I'm about to, a six-month, seven-month run of directing every single day where I have to make decisions from 6 a.m. until 9 o'clock at night, and then i got to watch footage till midnight, I get three, four hours of sleep at night for six months, I'm a fucking wreck.
3: Well, you were telling months. me about season three of Yellowstone that you essentially wrote it on Saturdays?
2: Yeah, I was directing a movie uh, <laughs> with Angie, with Angelina Jolie in New Mexico, and I had to, they had a start date that, that by God they were going to start. Didn't matter. They didn't have scripts. They were going to start, and uh, and I had to you know we would shoot do a night shoot, Friday night. I'd finish about seven in the morning, and I'd come home, and sleep till two, and wake up, and have coffee, and write the script Saturday till you know, one two in the morning. Wake up Sunday, do it do it again. Finish the <sighs> script, send it off. Oh my God! I did it 10, ten what ten episodes. I did it ten weeks in a row. <sighs> Fucking killed me. How do you keep your brain active during that time? Are you careful about what you
3: eat? Are you yeah, drinking very, a lot of very, water? Very, yeah, very, yeah. I would imagine like your you body's on the edge. I'm, you
2: can't fuck around. I'm very, very conscious of what I eat. You know, I try to be pretty conscious anyway, but I'm a freak when I, when we're directing. You do know, you take no... any
3: nootropics or anything like that?
2: So I take. I take a big mix of different things. I take muscle factors. I take, uh, I take NMN M- N- M- mm-hmm. um, and I'll do like a thiamine alpha, which is a, which is a peptide. That's an anti-inflammatory for mm-hmm. your body. Um, and I'm, and I'm just really rigid. I do a B12 shot every other day mm-hmm. on set. Um, just anything that I can do to keep me alert. And, and you know, cause you'll get what they call the movie flu, where you just, just get run down. You just, I mean, the, the hours are, you know, it's 14 16 hours a day. Yeah. And then and you have
3: deadlines and you have a budget and you have to do it that okay. way. I mean,
2: the budget Yeah, we have a budget, but you've seen my shows. They're, they 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 let me run. So I have
3: The CGI in 1883, I was like this is insane. Because I don't want to give anything away but there's a scene with a storm where you're like, "Oh my god." Like you can do some wild
2: shit to Well, the other thing is, yes, but the other thing is I waited till a day with 60-mile-an-hour winds to shoot that.
3: Oh, perfect.
2: I let, I let God do a lot of the CGI.
3: Nice. They're like, there's a terrible storm coming in. And I let's said, let's go. Let's <laughs> switch the schedule. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's no way you could ever have done that with their hair and all the things flying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was It, it was fucking nuts. great, man.
2: It's a great show. How about that ending?
3: <sighs> it was rough. It was rough. Like, I was just walking around my house like two hours afterwards.
2: And the funny thing is, I told the audience what was going to happen in the first scene.
3: Yeah, I know that was a wild thing you did. Yeah, that's it's like you're waiting for it throughout all the episodes. You know, there's only ten, so you're like, when? How does this go down? It it did, it definitely added a layer of anticipation. It's brilliant, man. It really is. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. And I shot
2: seventy percent of it, eighty percent of it at the four sixes.
3: How the fuck? Is Tim McGraw and Faith Hill so good? That's
2: crazy, isn't it?
3: How hey, are so they so
2: good at acting? Did you well? Let me tell you what: every singer can act, just like every comedian can act. Um, Dude, he's fucking incredible. Did you ever see him in uh, in Friday Night Lights, the movie? No, oh, no. That film that, and I know Pete Berg came on uh, the show with you here. Pete was a, a big mentor of mine, um, and and that to me is a perfect sports film. It's fun. Now, if you haven't seen that movie, you got to see that movie. It's mm. Billy Bob Thornton, and Tim McGraw plays this abusive dad in it, and it is. I mean, he's raw, but he is—he's the well runs deep with that guy.
3: Mm. Well, you can tell in that movie, man, or in your show, rather. He—you he, just one hundred percent buy that he is a stone cold killer. Yeah, and Faith, she hadn't acted before. Incredible. We, we were just hoping. Incredible. And she brought it. Incredible. Yeah, but also it has to help that they're a real life married couple. You know, it's like there's like oh, real yeah. like you there's like layers of chemistry when they're on the set together. And and the
2: subtext mm-hmm. and the every yeah, it was
3: And the, the heavy moments, I don't want to give anything away, but some of the heavy heavy moments between the two of them, you're like, "Oh my god, imagine dealing with that. The fucking shit those people had to deal with. It's insanity. <laughs> it's heavy, dude. It's a heavy show, uh-huh. but it's really good. And I think it's a really important thing for people to be aware of that. That's a pretty, ac- it's obviously fiction, but it's a pretty accurate representation of how it went down.
2: Yeah. I mean, the circumstances are imaginary, but the tools and the things, I mean, that's how they died and that's how they lived.
3: Yeah. You know, um, when you look back at all the civilizations that have existed that have risen and fallen and, you know, and the idea that that's happening to America now, like this is, What's happened on this continent over the last 400 years is one of the most insane stories in all of history. In all of history. I mean, there's some insane stories, insane, you know, empires that ruled the world for long periods of time. You know, the Portuguese and the, yeah. the British and the, the Mongols, of course, and the Vikings. But what the fuck happened here is so crazy that there was a country full of nomadic Native American tribes that were warring with each other all the time and living off the land and living in harmony with the land. And then all of a sudden, boats start showing up. And then within 50, 60, 100 years, 200 years, it's just flooded with Europeans. Like a mass invasion of a place that had, people had been living on it for 20,000 plus years.
2: Yeah. Maybe longer, you know. Maybe longer. They found some... You know, the Clovis point that they found in New Mexico, which dated back to like 12,000 B.C., and and, and I could go on a sidebar with these archaeologists. When they find something that's the oldest, they will defend it to the death. They yeah. do not want anything older to be found.
3: Well, yeah, they, that's a real problem with Egypt, too.
2: But they found another point of some kind in New Mexico that dates back another 8,000 years. Yeah, they found shatters. footprints. Yeah, yes, that's what yeah. it was, footprints, footprints. I think
3: it's 22,000 years. Yeah. It shatters. Just... Also, that's just what they found. Yeah. Like, who's to say there's not one that's 35,000 years old?
2: Yeah. We're we're saying that the oldest thing we found is the oldest thing. That's ridiculous. Which is just fucking human.
3: It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's what they're realizing now with human civilizations, that it's very likely that there was a mass disruption of human civilization from asteroid impacts or something like that, and we had to rebuild. And that's what the pyramids are, and that's what a lot of the structures they find, even in North America. And, you know, catastrophes do happen. And I know we don't want to believe it. It's just like the vegans don't want to believe they're causing any death when they buy their kale. Yeah, (laughs) it's kind of the same thing. We don't want to we don't want to believe that this could ever fall apart and we could be right back to square one, right back to living like nomadic tribal people. But that 100 percent can happen.
2: Well, you know what? You know, Einstein's famous saying when they asked him, what would be the weapon of destruction? in World War Three, and he says, I have no idea, but I know what it is in World War Four. And yeah. I said, what is it? And he goes, sticks.
3: Yeah. It probably doesn't even have to be the war, though. That's no. the problem. The problem is we're in a fucking shooting gallery. We're spinning around in a shooting yeah. gallery of massive chunks of space debris that literally is the stuff that forms planets. Yeah. And it's everywhere. There's so much of it out there. There's hundreds of thousands of near-Earth mm-hmm. objects. And there's a whole asteroid belt. And if one of them collides with another one, and one of them's coming in from some other place, and it hits one and just shoo, yep. sends it right towards us. Yeah. And some of them are fucking huge. And when those things hit, that's a wrap, civilization. Yeah, Whatever people are left, good luck, yeah. good luck. You're gonna live like barbarians for the next 1,000, 2,000 years before yeah. people reinvent civilization again.
2: Yeah. And, and it'll be interesting to see if it's reinvented the same.
3: I don't think it will be. I think I think there's a certain amount of genetic memory in people. And I think even if something horrible happened and we had to start right now from scratch and rebuild civilization, I think I still think we would be better off than people who tried to do that 5000 years ago or even 10000 years ago. I I think the human the the the, the collective human consciousness is something other than just what you know and what you've read. I think there's some shit that's in you in genetics. And I think people are better at stuff now than they've ever been before. But clearly, if that's the case, clearly whoever built the pyramids, they must have been around way longer. They must have been they must have been able to have a civilization that thrived way longer than ours. They still can't figure level.
2: out how they built it. And and there's something that I just read about if you look at its longitude and adi- latitude, yeah. it's like a perfect one one millionth of it.
3: Yeah, it's almost perfectly true north, south, east, yeah. and west. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. and it's whoever did that probably was along the same lines that we're on. They just had way more time to do it. They had you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years where well, we've only had a few hundred. A few yeah. hundred of craziness, a few hundred of the Industrial Revolution, combustion engines, you know, utilization of fossil fuels, all this shit that we're doing now. Nuclear fuel, nuclear weapons, this is real, 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 real recent. Yeah. So if they had some more time than we did, that that's what explains that shit to me. And I think that if we go, and then there's a few barbarian people left, of you know, a few thousand all over the planet, and they eventually redo civilization, They'll probably do a slightly better job. I think. Yeah. I think each group does a slightly, a slightly better, better job, job. than the last. But it probably takes forever. It'll probably take another four or five thousand years for civilization to really emerge again.
2: Are you familiar with the? I'm fascinated with anthropology. Me too. Human anthropology and the fact that we now know that there were four different human species living on the planet at yeah. the same fucking time. Yeah. At yeah. the same time.
3: Yeah, maybe more. Yeah, if those, Homo erectus
2: those... was still around too, you got the Denivarians, you got Neanderthal, you've got your Homo sapien, and then mm-hmm. there was, there was another off some Indonesian island. Yeah, the those, Homo Flores, yeah.
3: floresiensis. I think yeah. they, that's how you say it. Those little hobbit people. Yeah. Yeah. They think there's still some of those alive, alive somewhere. There's a thing in um, some parts of the country they call them the Orang Pendek. And uh, they, in jungles, people have reported seeing these little tiny people, little tiny hairy people, like, you know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And so there's this, there's this myth of this Orang Pendek. And they never took it seriously until they found these little people on the island of Flores. And, like, some of these jungles are just so insanely dense, like in Vietnam and places yeah. like that. Like, who knows? There might be a small population of these things still alive today. Well, there's still a few
2: uncontacted tribes. There's that one in India that every time somebody tries to go there. North Sentinel Island. They kill them.
3: Yeah. Well, they didn't used to. You know when they started killing them? There was a guy named uh, Commander Maurice Portman. I wanted to make a movie about that. Maurice Vidal Portman. Yeah. He was a pervert. And he would run around uh, fondling people and d- drawing pictures of them, making them dress up like Roman soldiers and talk about <laughs> the size of their dicks. Did you know about that? No. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's like, this one had testicles the size of a sparrow's egg. Like he was doing science. He's a little pervert. And this guy, uh, he was responsible for uh, getting a bunch of them sick. And uh, a few people died. And they, they even kidnapped people and they tried to r- raise their kids somewhere else. I think they kidnapped some people. But uh, that was a very hostile interaction with white people. So from then on. They were like, fuck. Like, it. you see them, start killing them. They're going to give you, you know, herpes yeah. and.
2: They're throwing spears at helicopters. They're going to make fun that. of your balls. Like, like.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that one guy, he just, like, did, you know, air quotes science, just traveled around to all these islands and f- fucking with these people.
2: Yeah. And now they were like, ah. Yeah, now
3: they'll fucking kill you. They will fucking kill you. They kill everybody. (laughs) You can't even get out of the boat They're already shooting arrows in your direction now. They have metal too because they took one of the um, uh, Boats that got stranded there. They had to rescue these uh, people that were stuck on this boat Because the uh, North Sentinel people were coming for them in the boat and they literally had to rescue them in time But they got onto the boat and then the next time they saw them they noticed that they had metal uh, weapons So, yeah, so they think they've salvaged pieces of the boat and turned it into knives and sharpened them and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy because there's only 39 of them. And um, they're the direct descendants of people who left Africa 60,000 years ago. And because there's such a small number of them on this island the size of Manhattan, they just never passed, like, how humans were 100,000 years ago or whatever it was 60,000 years ago. They're, they're exactly that, they live exactly the way people lived back then, which is really wild to see. You know, uncontacted tribes, man, that is, that's one of the weirdest windows into the variability.
2: Who we, who we are. Who yeah, we who are. we
3: are, but also the variability. That you can have people that are driving around in electric cars, talking on cell phones, and at the same time, some guy is sneaking up on a monkey in the jungle with a bow and arrow with a poison tip on it, yeah. and you know, and his family's been doing it that way forever, yeah. forever. Yeah, and they're both happening at the same time, you know. That's kind of the wildest part of the story of the people coming to America is that the Native American people lived in this, like one of the things that's really the the way was so appealing the one of the things that's so interesting about the reports From back then was that people that had left modern air quote Western civilization and moved in With Indians and started living in Indian cultures. They never wanted to go back. Yeah, but whenever they took people from, like, when it was uh, Cynthia Ann Parker, Mm -hmm. when they kidnapped her when she was nine, and then they rescued her when she was a woman. She wanted to go back.
2: She escaped twice. Yeah,
3: she's like, I don't want to be, this life sucks. Yeah, Like, that's the life. Like, the living in the tent and fucking chasing the buffalo, that's the life. Everybody said that. Nobody wanted to go the other way. There wasn't people that were dying to, like, get educated and fucking be forced into, you know,
2: jobs. Well, Kwana... Who was who was extremely smart, as as the as the last chief of of the Comanche Nation, and then when he finally when he finally went to the reservation in Oklahoma and they said, okay, here you are, he was smart enough and astute enough to uh, to make a business of it. And you know, there was a few ranchers, Sam Burr Burnett, who founded the Four Sixes, and W. T. Wagner and um, Charles Goodnight, who needed somewhere to graze their cattle. Uh, because that part of West Texas was having a terrible drought, Oklahoma had a lot of good grass and they went up and talked to Quanah and said, Hey, could we, you know, graze our cattle here? We'll pay you. And he's like, you'll pay us. Yeah, we'll pay you. All right. Yeah, I'll do that. And, um, so it became a, it became a great, you know, partnership that they had and did that for years. Uh, Really, until Congress got wind of it, and they're like, ah, we don't, we don't need those Indian people making money. That's not. We should outlaw that." Which they tried to do, and then uh, Burke Burnett they reached out to Teddy Roosevelt and had him come out, and he hunted uh, wolves on the uh, on the Comanche reservation and then down at the Four Sixes as well, and uh, and they convinced him that he got a two year stay before they finally outlawed it. Um, wow! But in that time. Uh, Quanta needed a house because he had so many people coming to dignitaries and governors and Teddy, and no one would obviously give him a loan. So, uh, Goodnight and and Burnett gave Quanta the money to build the Star House where he where he lived and housed people. and And in his bedroom they called the Star House because he painted the ceiling with stars. He would sleep on the floor, not in the bed, and stare up at the ceilings on his wow. the, the stars on the ceiling.
3: Wow. Well, I think until people have actually spent a night camping, looking up at the stars where there's no light pollution at all, they don't understand it. They don't know the appeal. It's an amazing experience. It's like one of the coolest things you could ever see in your life, and you're denied it. You're denied it because of advanced technology that allows us to light the streets. We lit the streets, but we cut off the majesty of the heavens because it humbles you in a way and it grounds you in a way that's soothing. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people, there's a lot of reasons why people have anxiety, but I I, I definitely think that a factor is we're disconnected from the universe. We're disconnected from all the things that our ancestors saw. When they would go to bed at night and they'd look up, they'd be like, wow. Like before you went to bed, what you saw was wow. Yeah. Like look at that.
2: Well think about, you've been to New York. Yeah. I lived there for I don't know 6 months. And and in that time one day it hit me that I hadn't seen a star and my feet hadn't touched anything but concrete for 6 months. And I and I I thought I can't I can't live like this. That's not good for you. But there's people who have lived their entire lives like that.
3: Oh yeah, there's people my friend Ari loves it. He loves living like that. I mean, he and, goes to other places, too, a lot. He travels a lot, so maybe You know cost. those
2: people, that lifelong New Yorkers, that they have to little record the sound of New York so that when they go somewhere <laughs> so they somewhere go to quiet sleep. to sleep, they can play that shit? Many. Sirens and helicopters.
3: Camping <laughs> with a guy who does that? You fucking <laughs> dick. <laughs> yeah, there's something about the stars that is uh, to me, it's also like the ocean and the mountains in the daytime. In the daytime, the oceans and the mountains offer a similar thing like when you see the mountains when you're it's one thing to see photos of the mountains but when you're in their presence they look beautiful in photos but they don't you don't feel them no. when you're driving through a mountain range and you see like snow-capped peaks and these beautiful meadows of grass and big trees it's like wow it's like the most amazing art that you could ever experience but it's nature and i think Nature has a way of getting us attracted to places that are fertile and places that would hold life. And so when you see the mountains and you see these trees and these valleys and a lake, and like this is very fertile, these fertile places are beautiful to us, just like fertile people are beautiful to yeah. us. You know, see women with large breasts and narrow hips and big waist or a big butt, and you're like, oh, narrow waist and big hips. You're like, oh, she could give birth, she's fertile. Like this is what's attractive, perfect symmetry. Oh, she has good genes. She's fertile. Oh, look at him. He's big and tall and handsome. He's he's fertile. There's like there's something yeah. beautiful about that to us. It's just nature's way of attracting it to us. So when you're denied like this thing that literally gives you a certain amount of energy, when you if you go through a beautiful place, there's something about it like wow. It's like you're not just living life. You're living life in the presence of this greatness, this insane vision that you can see all around you. And I think it humbles people in a way, and it grounds people in a way. And I, I think the city does the exact opposite. I agree. It does the exact opposite. It gives you this weird energy. It's like, eh, eh, fuck you,
2: hey taxi. Yeah, it's, an, it's an angry energy. It's a, it's a, it's a. You know, there's there's herds, and there's packs, mm. right? Herds are the prey animals packs are the hunters and the city feels full of herds yeah. and the, the country feels full of packs
3: yeah that makes sense people much more self-sufficient one of the more impressive things that i found when i uh i went to um alaska once we were in uh, anchorage and we we're doing shows out there and i was like these people feel different they feel like more sturdy yeah. like i guess if you just live in a place that gets cold as and it doesn't even like it wasn't even dark out and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning It was still right. like light outside like, So this is a weird place to live and these people are literally at the mercy of nature and they're surrounded by grizzly bears and wolves and moose and, Like everywhere you go you could see a moose <laughs> You can see a moose they show up on college campuses and stomp people. <laughs> they're everywhere It's like you're living in a totally different environment than the rest of the world and because of that those the, the people they're sturdier they're like more solid. And even when you talk to them, they're just, like they, they've gone through more to get where they are right and
2: now. And you know what they have no interaction with? Almost none. Government. Right. You go to a small town in West Texas or a small town in rural Wyoming or anywhere. Um, and, you know, I split my time. We moved to Wyoming uh, in 2013 uh, before I moved back down to Texas. We still spend the summers up at our ranch there but it's a town of 175. There's a the driver's license office is open for an hour on Thursday. <laughs> there are there is no there are no public services. There's if you want to go to the social security office to get a social security card or turn in some paper, you're driving 12 hours to Cheyenne. So the only interaction, and this is what people in the city don't understand, the only interaction that people in true rural areas have with the government is Paying taxes, and the military, because they most of them join the military at some point. Those are their only two experiences with the federal government, aside from the rules that the government tells them. They don't get any of the benefits that you may or may not get. There's towns in in California. You go out into San Bernardino County. You go up, you know, somewhere around Visalia in that area, and all this money that they're going to spend on roads and shit and everything else. None of that is making it there. None of it. So their perception of government is: What are you going to do? What, what are you going to make me do? How much money are you going to take from me? And that's that's their experience with right, government. Right.
3: They're not going to get anything out of it. Nothing. That's a wild thing to think.
2: Yeah. They give into it, but what do they? What do they extract from it? Right. They're, they're, if, they're, if they get to sixty-five, they get an eighteen-hundred-dollar-month check that they've been paying. It's the worst investment in history. Social security, the worst investment in your future you could possibly make. <laughs> I'm going to give you whatever, 8% of my check or 12% of my check for my entire, from, from the day I turn 20 till I'm 65 and retired, and then you're going to you're gonna shit out an $1,800 check to me each month? What the fuck am I going to do with that?
3: Yeah, can I opt out of that? Are you allowed to opt out of you Social Security? You
2: can't. Seems like and you if should you, be. And if you could, it would collapse because, you, you know, the, the, the top earners are paying for the entire thing. Yeah. And never, you know. They're never getting it like
3: there should be some sort of a social safety net for old folks for sure especially for Impoverished people for sure, but making people pay into it is where it gets squirrely Especially if you're not gonna get anything out of it like okay,
2: like uh, how's this being doled out? Like, well, well at least if you're gonna collect that money, if you did the same thing if you took the same money and you put it into, and I'm not a big, I'm not a big, 401k IRA guy. But if you did, and you took that same money and invested in just the, just the the major indexes, you know, you would take that money and multiply it ten to twenty fold. You'd be a millionaire. I <laughs> mean, fuck a millionaire. And I don't know why the government doesn't at least. Well, they probably do invest it. They just don't give you any of the investment.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Who knows
2: what the fuck they do? I don't understand the.
3: My number one problem has always been with when people say, you know, that we need the rich need to pay more taxes. I'm like, sure. Where's it going? Where's it going? Do you know where it's going? Do you know if the people that are taking that money in are competent? Do you know how it's being distributed? Do you have any idea where that money's going? You just going to trust these people that are so dumb that they work for the government?
2: (laughs) Well, remember that's the thirteen hundred dollar toilet seats. Yeah that's there's no the government's the most inefficient uh, they 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 don't manage our money well because it's not their money yeah they don't have to yeah
3: like whenever you have a situation where you're outside of competition which the government essentially is they're the they run the show like if if you had some sort of uh a business and your business was really inefficient and always. Fuck things up and really had terrible strategies, and it could never be audited because your, your your books were always fucked up by like millions is missing every year. There's no way you would survive. There's no way no, you would you'd survive. be out of business because someone better would come along. They would do a better job, and that's what competition is all about. But as soon as you say you're the you're the ones that get to do this, and uh, and then everybody has to pay you no matter what. No matter what, no matter if you do a good job or a bad job, you don't have options like, hey, this one doesn't seem to be working so well, so there's a private firm that's going to take over the service. You can opt into that as well. And uh, these well, people are go. much more efficient. And these are some people that actually run businesses and they understand businesses. And they're going to be a publicly traded company. So they're going to be responsible to the shareholders. And they're going to make some fucking money. And they're yeah. going to do it right.
2: Well, you know, Texas, I mean, this state makes money. You don't there's no there's no deficit here and hasn't been for fuck who knows how long They're trying to figure out what to do with all their surplus every year
3: That's interesting. Um, is it because of oil a lot of it. Yeah, what is the percentage from oil?
2: I don't know, but a, a lot of uh, You know, they're 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 charging something, you know, California has as much oil as anybody. They just won't
3: extract it Well, California is so silly it's such a silly. They they have the highest deficit they've ever had. California's deficit. What is the California deficit now? It's like twenty four billion. I think it's a lot more yeah. than that. I think it's more than that. I think it's something kooky. I think it was like they just announced it was the highest ever deficit.
2: Well, they're running people out of the state. Yeah. I, I have more friends that have moved here in the past five years. I don't. I don't know an actor. None of the act. Think about this. 32. <laughs> $32 billion
3: deficit. That's so crazy. $32 billion for a state. For a state. That's not the country. That's a state. Yeah. One state. $32 yeah. billion dollar deficit. That's so kooky, man. Woo. CompTroll reported that legislators will have record. Is this Texas? Yeah. Record surplus of $32 billion. Oh, why don't we just give it to California? <laughs> just give it there. Everybody move there. Anyway, just give it to California.
2: <laughs> yeah, they would fuck that up. Next year would be more. The thing the thing that I think, you know, there's this debate about climate change, which, by the way, climate's always changing. It was changing before we showed up. Yeah. Um,
3: we definitely have an impact on no,
2: it. No, you so. can't have 8 billion people on a planet, right. 7 billion now, 8 billion by the time this fucking podcast is over, <laughs> and not have an effect. We're going to have an effect anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but they've found a way to make it accusatory. Everybody was no one knew that this was bad. We built an entire not just America the world built an entire social structure economy on Petroleum products starting in the 1880s and you can't just shut that off you can uh, But but the collapse the the amount of death that would happen starvation economic collapse, so it's perfectly fine to go Look we, we we bet on a horse that has some real complications we need to do one or two things or, or two things. We need to figure out how to access cleaner energy and we need to figure out if there's a way to make this fuel source that we've based everything on. I mean, look, let's look at all the shit on your table made out of oil. First and foremost, the wires this thing. Yeah. We're talking yeah. through, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Headphones were are The the headphones, the soles of my shoes. Yeah, everything. Yeah, the socks I'm wearing. Yeah. Everything. Um, you can't shut that off. You've got it. You can wean yourself off of it. You can figure out how to make it cleaner. We're more likely to to run out of oil before we find it's pure replacement, to be perfectly honest. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try to to come up with a cleaner source. But we're probably more likely to put energies toward how do we refine it cleaner? How can we utilize it cleaner while we're trying to figure out what this other thing is? Yeah, that's
3: a good solution. The bad solution is decide that you can't talk about any of the things that you've just said, and that you have to toe the line because climate change is caused by humans, and climate change is all bad, and we have to go electric. And you just you have this very surface view of what the complex problem in front of everybody is, and then it becomes a thing, and it could become a thing just like 9-11 became a thing. So after that thing, like we got attacked, now we can do action, and then everybody agrees that action is important. We need and, like even is ridiculous as going to Iraq, like, why are we going over there? That's also something that will happen with climate change. If you have a thing where everybody tells you, you have to comply, this is necessary, we're all gonna die, and meanwhile, every one of their predictions has always been wrong. I mean, if you go back to Al Gore's a Kilimanjaro, truth, supposed
2: to, it would yeah. no snow by 2006 or something All like bullshit, that.
3: all wrong, no one guesses it right, but that aside, the problem is you're putting in new control. You're putting in a new ma- mandate, a new narrative. This narrative is you have to do this because if we don't, we're gonna, we're all gonna die. Okay, so now everybody has to get on board, and we- our patience is wearing thin. And everybody has to get on board. Why are you driving an internal combustion engine? Why are you still okay? But also, people are making money in this conversion. You have to understand there's businesses that are set up that are being positively affected by this conversion. They're gonna make a fuckload of money. And those are the ones that are going to influence people to pass legislation that mandates things and make sure that we have only electric cars by 2035. But right? how
2: are we going to propel those electric cars? Well,
3: how's the, how about what's? where are you getting all the fucking conflict minerals? The craziest thing about electric cars and electric everything well, it's all is the, cobalt mining.
2: And lithium, it's all in China. It's not
3: just in China. It's in the Congo, and they're using yeah. slaves to pull it out of well, the Well,
2: where you start digging into the Congo, you start getting into some pretty precious resources there in Virunga and that Mm -hmm. area. I mean, that is a world heritage site. It creates like an absurd amount of our oxygen. I mean, it's an, it's a, it's an extremely important region, um, that is unfortunately extremely mineral rich. Yeah. And the story of where, how they get the
3: minerals out, this, a guy said, Darth Cara came on the podcast and he, uh, was a journalist that was got embedded in these cobalt mines and got this footage, this fucking insane footage of slave labor, essentially. So people have dirt floors, they have no money, they have no food, they have no options. They're they're carrying their babies on their back while they're mining cobalt. So they're getting all this cobalt <laughs> dust everywhere. They, so they're all getting poisoned. They're all of a host of fucking diseases that are coming about from this toxic fumes of this shit they're chipping out of the ground. And yeah. that's what powers all of our electric devices. That's a part of it.
2: But the other big problem that that no one wants to talk about, and and I think that the debate needs to be approached from the standpoint of we've got one side that says go be proof that the world's going to end. I don't need to show you proof. I said it. Right. Do this bullshit. Um. Okay. Let's just say that we took a corner of Utah and we just solar panelled that fucker and we made enough <laughs> electricity for the entire nation. Guess what? We can't do get it anywhere because the grid we do not have the pipeline of the grid. California's maxed out. They can't bring it anymore. They've got to run a, they've got to run pipeline. They got to run wires. They're maxed out. They can't get enough power to the cities as it is. They're doing fucking rolling blackouts. They're telling people to not charge their electric vehicles in the summer. They said that like 2 weeks after they made the mandate for 2035. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe figure out how you're going to get the electricity to the cities. Yeah. And I'm a big supporter. Of fuck, especially there. Throw solar panels on top of
3: everything. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's yeah. free power. Yeah,
2: do yeah. it. It's
3: free power, and it does work. You it definitely work. You can power your house with solar if you have a big enough yard, and you've sun out, especially in LA where it's sunny all the time. Yeah,
2: it's inexcusable to not do it. Every new house should have them.
3: Yeah, but the problem is, it's just, boy, you're dealing with so many people. That's the problem. Like, like if you wanted to come into California right now and you wanted to manage it correctly and you wanted to fix all the wrongs and you wanted to clean up the streets and stop all the crime, like, you couldn't even do it. You couldn't even do it. There's There's too many people that are against you. There's too many people that no matter how badly they fail doing it in a certain direction, they're going to keep going in that direction. They're going to double down.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to try, you know, and... And now there's so many people leaving California, they're trying to come up with this new tax where if you leave California for the next 10 years, yeah. you still have to somehow pay.
3: Isn't that nuts? Well,
2: it's just, it's nonsense. It's you can't, nonsense. You can't do it. No, you it's can't
3: not legal. It. But also, you fucking criminals. Like, you suck, and you know you suck, so when people are leaving, you're like, well, we still want money. <laughs> no, we're leaving because you suck. Like, that's what states are about. You get to move to a new state, and this state's got different laws. I yeah. like this one better. Bye. Yeah. That's it. We're not, we don't have an agreement where I've, I'm, we're not paying alimony.
2: I wasn't married to you, bitch. Like, yeah. We, I got
3: to go. Yeah. See you later. Got to go. See you, Bye. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, Figure it out. I, I get a, the random California letter. Like, are you sure you don't owe us any money? Like, ah, I haven't lived there in 10 fucking years. I haven't just been trying. there in five. They, they, I mean
3: when you have a 34 or 32 billion dollar hey, deficit you, you you
2: cast it out there yeah, see if you can catch it.
3: You got to fucking send dudes out like let's go.
2: But now they're talking about incre- you know here's here's one of the things that I've always found interesting cuz everyone knows this and no one says it when they talk about the top 1% of the 1% that mm. they don't pay um. income tax you know the, the the average the guy that makes 80,000 100,000 a year is paying a higher percentage than those guys. Well, yes, um, because you know what billionaires don't get? They don't get a paycheck. They don't get a W-2. All those leaders, of the all the head of this bank or that bank, they're getting a dollar. That's their salary. And they're getting stocks. And until they sell the stock, we don't know what the stock's worth. Everyone talks about Elon Musk is worth 140, however many billions. No, he's not. If he's tried to sell all his stock today and get that, he would collapse all his companies. Collapse them. You can't do it. Same with Bezos. Same with any of those guys. So it's paper wealth. Are they extremely wealthy? Sure. Where do they get their money from? Oh, they sell a million shares here. They sell a million there. Maybe they take a line of credit out off of their shares. I don't know, but yeah. they don't get a paycheck. Right. Exactly. And you can't tax an unrealized gain because we don't know what it's worth. It's a, did they find a loophole? Of course they did. They're billionaires. Yeah, they're smart guys. They're not paying their share.
3: But if you look at the show, like, they, that's a the narrative in New York City. But have you ever seen the New York City um, tax breakdown? Like what, how much of the tax is paid by wealthy people?
2: Oh, I'm sure it's sixty percent, sixty five percent. It's an
3: enormous percent of a small percentage of the population is paying an enormous percent of the taxes.
2: Well, and it's it, still it, chaos. Let's just say Jeff Bezos is worth. Let's just say he's worth a hundred billion. And if he gets his effective tax rate down to ten percent, he's paying ten billion dollars. <laughs> so how many people making a hundred thousand dollars, and on the same thing now? Now you, they're paying ten thousand on their hundred thousand. I'm no mathematician, but how many ten thousand times what equals ten billion? Ten thousand hundred thousand million million.
3: Isn't it a ten thousand times a million?
2: Something like that. Yeah.
3: Or a hundred million. What is that?
2: Jay? It'd be ten thousand times. It'd be ten thousand times a million. Ten, 10 one hundred millions would yeah. be a billion. Just okay.
3: Ten, 10 times a hundred million. All right. <laughs> That's a lot of money, kids.
2: So it takes a hundred million people to make the same amount of taxes. Yeah.
3: And also, if their stock drops, like if they're, they they pay that much in stock, and then the stock drops the next year, like what are you going to do then? And now now they have to pay less, but now they have
2: even less. Yeah, But they can't they can't even sell it all. He couldn't sell. Bezos could not sell twenty percent right, yeah. of his of his holdings without dramatically negatively affecting the stock price. Right. So if he sold the, I don't know what it, what it's trading at, but let's say it's trading at those keep it round numbers, a hundred dollars. Okay. If he sold his first million shares at a hundred, he's selling his next at 90, he's selling his next at 80. And then there's a, then it's on fucking MSNBC and now it's worth 30. Yeah. And then SEC calls and goes, stop trading. Something's happening. Yeah. I'm trying to sell my shit. So it, it's it's mythical numbers. It's, it is weird. It's weird when you think about it that way.
3: Yeah. So that's why they're not paying taxes on all that money, kids.
2: Because it's not money yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah, people don't like to hear that. It's the they truth. They like to hear that the problem is with the wealthy people aren't paying enough. They don't want to hear it's incompetent bureaucrats. You have a fucking gigantic machine that is very inefficient, that's running this country that does not want to ever give up that position. Yeah, And they want your money. They yeah. want a percentage of your money. If you don't give it to them, they're gonna come after you like gangsters. They're gonna lock you and put you in a cage. Yeah, And if you owe them money, it's not good enough to pay that money back. Now you have to be punished because you owed that money. Yeah, It's the only kind of debt that you really get like, fucking for sure locked up in a cage for.
2: Yeah, and I look, I, I spent way more of my life being broke than having money. And and I do get a paycheck, and Uncle Sam takes a massive chunk of it. It They take a chunk. They take a chunk. It's interesting. It's a lot of money, but
3: I wouldn't mind if I thought they were doing a great job. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if if the one machine they did
2: just one thing worked. Yeah, just one. Let one of them work. Let one of these programs work.
3: Yeah, but this is a narrative that kids get when they're in college and they get introduced to Marxism. The narrative is that you know it just hasn't been done correctly and that in an equal and just society, you wouldn't have such disparity of income. And I understand that this capitalism thing that we're running is not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's the best system that we've ever seen. And the thing about what everyone's saying when it comes to equality of income, you need to take into consideration equality of effort, equality of focus. Sure, there's people that have become wealthy doing shady things and ripping people off and finding legal loopholes to extract money, for sure. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But also, people have put in insane amounts of work and focus and dedication to whatever the fuck it is and Become way better at it than other people and gotten very successful, too And their businesses have blown up and now they sell you know X amount of units at Walmart and this and that but What the fuck did that guy have to do to do that? And are you willing to do that? You probably aren't so there's a competition going on and that guy's way ahead in the regular Competition not the stealing competition not the taking advantage people but he's way ahead And that guy has been an insane worker for 30 years. So if you come along and say, that guy needs to pay his share, and this is the reason why the world's all fucked, well, no, you have a juvenile perspective. Part of the reason why the world's all fucked is that there are people out there that only deal in numbers. And they're just throwing numbers around and betting on this and betting on that, and they're all doing coke, and they're fucking going crazy and flying around in jets, and everybody wants the newest watch. Those people are real, too. For sure. But there's... Also a lot of people that are doing the same thing you're trying to do They just did it better and they did it for longer and now they're 70 and they're worth a billion dollars or whatever the fuck They're worth and he's not the evil of the world. That's just called
2: success. Yeah Now there are definitely people that are manipulating the system hundred percent and if we if we decided to become a Communist Party tomorrow those same thieves will be the leaders of the Communist Party yeah, They will find their way.
3: Uh-huh. 100%. And then they'll
2: be just as fucking
3: rich. 100%. 100%. But the, but
2: the guy that goes and takes the idea and builds the business and
3: yeah if you have communism you're not going to get rid of psychopaths you're not going to get rid of sociopaths or, or just they're just going to integrate into the opportunists. they're just going to integrate into that system i mean how much does that drive us nuts about politicians if we think that a politicians full of shit it's like oh you're fucking bullshitting you're bullshitting to get to that spot and then when you get to that spot you're going to benefit from it so you're just playing the world you're playing yeah. us off and that drives everybody nuts and it should because that's the problem. The problem is not the system that's in place. The problem is who exploits the system. Who fucking wants to be president? Oh, God. Who you... wants that job? I mean, you know, one of the things you said to me that I really liked when we were on the phone, you were like, I'm trying to be less famous. Like, I don't want to do your show to get famous. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I... this is the last fucking thing I want. No. Like, good. That's a so healthy way to, to look at the it. The
2: only reason to want the job because it is so unpleasant. It's so unpleasant. It is, is either A, for the most part, um, you crave power that much. Yeah. Or B, you you crave fame that much.
3: Yeah. You'd be the most famous, most powerful person on the planet. Yeah. Essentially, if you're the president of the United States.
2: Because there's some really, really smart, good, thoughtful people that care a lot about the country on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And none of them are running for these offices. They don't want to wade through that
3: shit to get to that spot. That's the oddest thing about Trump, is that he just fucking like, a, like water <laughs> off a duck's back. He just wades through that shit. And that's what I think drives people the most crazy. It's part of what they call Trump derangement syndrome, is not just outrage about what he has said or what he has done that's infuriated people. It's his ability to fucking brush it off like it's nothing. It's not hitting him. It's not hurting him. They want to hurt him. So then you're seeing these lawsuits now. Now, now you're seeing, you know, these, uh, these crimes that he's being accused of. Now you're seeing all this shit that's going down. Like Rudy Giuliani just gets hit with a $149 million lawsuit uh, with these uh, two ladies. He has to declare bankruptcy. Like, this is, you know, you're seeing all of this stuff that's happening, and they're just feverishly trying, like, Colorado removed him from the ballot. Now, he has to appeal that. Colorado removed him from the ballot because they said he was an insurrectionist. Just wild. It's wild that you get to make that decision, because if somebody else comes along, and that precedent is set, it goes the other way now. Here's
2: the interesting thing about that, And, and- he has not been convicted of that. No. So you have a court of law. This is what's dangerous, and for, yeah. and everyone has to forget their blind hatred of Trump for right. a second. Yeah, forget it and First, just look at the, the structure, the, put, structure put, of our society. You know, put the widget in there. Insert yeah. X is the person, right. right? Right. X has not been convicted of a crime. A a a, a Supreme Court looks at evidence that was not presented. Uh, they they got it from wherever they got it from. Uh, with no defense, and makes a decision, that's dangerous shit. And it mean it may not feel dangerous to people right now who think at any cost keep Trump from being president again. But what happens when that same methodology is used against someone that you do support? Well, you know, once you open Pandora's exactly. box, exactly. and the rule of law is is malleable. Exactly. That's what pe- That's what I say. I'm talking about. How is this? How is the the action of today going to affect the the world that that my son's trying to raise a child in? Yes, that's what's terrifying to me. Is there's so much irrational, emotional behavior around our government, around our government?
3: And also, that you can
2: get on the view and say whatever wacky shit you want to say, but when we're talking about courts of law, right? Like everyone needs to. Our government was built. You've got an executive branch, a legislative branch, and a judicial branch, and it was built to operate very slowly it was built to to be impervious of the emotion that's the whole reason we're a republic and not a, democ- a democracy because the founding fathers said, ah, you know what, people get real emotional uh, if they can just vote on anything and and you could look at california as an example because it only takes like 20,000 signatures to get something on a ballot which is how they've passed some feel-good emotional laws that have actually had some real adverse effects on that state yeah and and That's the whole reason we're a representative government, and when we can just start arbitrarily changing uh, the rule of law and the nature of the courts, that will be used against us as a people. It will be used against us.
3: It certainly will be, and that's what's so disturbing about today's short-sightedness, and that's what's scary about a person like Trump. What's scary is not him, it's the reaction to him. It's that this the fact that he is able to brush these things off. They keep coming after him with all these different things and none of them have really taken him out yet. And so they're just furious about it. They're so angry. And that makes them more likely to use that defense like we got to stop Hitler.
2: So the first debate uh, in 2016 or 15 or whatever it was, was on CNN. And they put Trump, who at the time is, you know, he's on The Apprentice. He's got his show and they put him front and center. There's two or three governors up there. There's a senator up there. There's all these other, there's Rubio's up there. Jeb Bush is up there from Florida. I'm not saying that they're, I'm just saying that we have seasoned politicians and CNN put him front and center and, 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 and said, all right, wait for these firecrackers to go off. This is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. And the Republican party was freaking out. Whoa, what's going on here? And um, there was even debate if they were going to ratify him as a, as the nominee at that point. And they were, the media was sitting back going, look, the ratings are through the roof. This is great. And I think we're kind of, this is going to work out great for Hillary. And all of a sudden, he gets elected. And, and the media was complicit in that. And I think one of the things that pisses them off more than anything is that they put him there.
3: Yeah. They put him there. I think you're there. right. That's part of it. But it's also he's such an easy opponent to rally people against if you're on that other side, and when people when people are very ideologically based, and you you can connect one person to all the things that you hate, whether it's. Uh, you know he's xenophobic he's racist he's this he's that he's gonna stop he's uh ignorant to climate change this is a problem it's a threat to our democracy he said he'd be a dictator for a day all these different narratives that get spread out and then people act on that emotion they're just very easy to manipulate when you have a guy that is boisterous. Has said ridiculous things and does talk the way he talks. It's just easy if he's the opponent to get people rallied up and, oh. and come up with these really irrational things, like what we're talking about, like removing him from the ballot. Like these are crazy things. Like you can't do unless a guy is actually guilty and proven of it. Like they have to be convicted of this. And what if they go to appeal? Does this, what happens then? That takes years. Like
2: there's a decent chance that the fever to get him will be the thing that gets him reelected.
3: I think so. I think it's sort of along the same lines as what happened with CNN during the first election. They thought that they were going to highlight how ridiculous he is, and it was going to crush him, and then Hillary was going to come along as this very competent, seasoned mm-hmm. politician, secretary of state, shoe in first woman president, everybody's excited, and people didn't buy it. Yeah, They didn't buy it, and and now they're... Terrified that it's going to happen again because Biden is way more vulnerable than Hillary. Hillary was at least a seasoned politician, the wife of one of our most famous politicians.
2: Very articulate speaker. Very
3: articulate lawyer, you know, knew how to handle herself. And Biden is barely there. Like he can't debate Trump. It's not even possible anymore. It can't happen anymore. We all know it can't happen. It barely happened in 2020 but the, the idea of that happening again in 2024 no one believes that no one believes that we're in a spot I mean, we're in a we're in a crazy spot and then Bobby spot. Kennedy drops out of the democrats and now he's an independent and you're like okay well, that's not that's not ideal like ideal was they primary him and Kennedy wins but then there's all this this there's different people that don't want that primary to take place and so he makes this decision to become independent. I think they were gonna to try to block him from primaries in some way.
2: One of the things that's, the, and it's been trending this way since the 80s, you know, the primary system is where is where this, the wheels really start to fall off because the primaries are controlled by the extremes of the base. Right, And, and the they,
3: registered voters of the Democratic and, and, and Republican and, and the, party.
2: And, and the more vitriolic, It gets the more it pushes both sides further. Yeah, and and so the further we go to the extreme that is going to be the choice Um,
3: Man, I really think Bobby Kennedy could have won I think if he beat if he won in the primary and then it's him against Trump I think there's a lot of people that would have voted for Bobby Kennedy. I don't know if be enough To to make him elected, but I think that would be a viable candidate. And I don't, don't know enough about
2: him. I've, seen him. I've seen him speak some. I think I saw him on your podcast. And yeah. he seems like an articulate guy. Um, I don't know enough about him. but Well, but... he
3: was an environmental lawyer forever. I mean, he's one of the main reasons why the Hudson River got cleaned up, holding um, corporations accountable for environmental pollution. That was what he did for the, the longest part before all this vaccine stuff. That was his big thing. That was his big quest. And just an incredibly knowledgeable guy. Like when, when you talk to him. I mean, not perfect, he's a human being, but like a viable candidate, like a guy who like would, I think, make a great leader. But they didn't want him. They don't, that, that's, I, I felt the same way when Tulsi Gabbard was running. I'm like, okay, you got everything you want here. You got a, a brilliant woman who's a, a veteran, was deployed overseas twice in medical units, like put together people that got blown up. Um, congresswoman for eight years, Articulate from Hawaii woman of color. You got everything you got everything you want there, but you don't want her Why because you can't control her because she's independent and she has like these rock-solid moral values and She's not playing ball. She's not playing ball. You don't like it And so this best-case scenario that you had that you've always said you've been looking for now You're ignoring that one. Well, (laughs) like what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're playing a weird game. You're controlling what the people get to choose on. You're not just controlling once you get in office. You're controlling what do people get to choose who gets into office, and that's what fuels conspiracy theories about the Illuminati and the people that are secretly controlling the. Story. If you don't, you wonder why all those shows are so popular and all those Reddit conspiracy threads are so popular. They're so popular because it's obvious people are conspiring. <laughs> We're not fucking stupid. We're not stupid. Like that that's the whole point of the Bernie Sanders thing Bernie Sanders the Democratic Party was trying to keep him from fucking Ruining the primaries with with Hillary. Yeah, and they conspired They they worked together to keep that guy out because they didn't think he was gonna play ball and he probably wouldn't have no nope. It's a weird thing that people find these justifications of rationalizations for doing something that's completely opposite of The structure that was put in place by the founding fathers to prevent tyranny they put this stuff in place They made it they set up in a very specific way that there was all these checks and balances. So it was Insanely difficult for someone to become a
2: tyrant. Yeah But but we we have the landscape now that's being laid out That's ripe for one. Well,
3: that's what makes it so dangerous about social media today And that's what makes it so dangerous about having a guy like Trump who is either loved or hated that's it. It's either one or the other. Yeah, there's not a lot in between. There's not a lot of people that are like, eh, he's all right. <laughs> Just like, you either love that guy or you hate that guy. And as a, an enemy, as like a force that you could root against, you know, that's, it's a natural inclination for, look, I went to a fucking high school football game the other day and it was Houston playing against Austin. Great game, incredible how good these guys are in high school.
2: Oh, well, here, Incredible
3: yeah. game. Incredible game. In Texas, football is a fucking religion. It was amazing. But it, my point is, when you go to this thing, everybody is angry at the people from Houston. And the people from Houston are angry at the people from Austin. They're like, bullshit, but that fucking call sucks, this ref sucks. <laughs> so- These are your fucking state. It's your fellow people. They live 2 hours away. You can drive for 2 hours. You can go visit them. What the fuck? We're so tribal. That we're tribal even inside our state with fucking kids playing football.
2: And it's and I think a lot of it's this fucking 100%, sorry. 100%. Yeah. It gives equal voice to someone who you would never care what Phones their opinion
3: is. and social media. Yeah. Yeah, That's why
2: I don't do it. That's why I'm not on that shit.
3: Good for you. Yeah. I I wonder if I would do it if I wasn't if I didn't use it for my business I I'm still fine I find value in it there's there's definitely some value in being exposed to interesting things I'm exposed to a lot of interesting things but it's a, you got to be real careful with that trickle you got to be real tr- careful about how much you turn that spigot on because it's really it could really fucking flood your house there's a
2: lot of people living in the garage apartment over mama's house that have nothing to do. Yeah. But sit here and fucking troll.
3: And it just and troll and just even just waste your time yeah. scrolling through things. Forget about the negative aspects of it, people doing negative things. But just wasting your fucking time. You got to be careful cuz you 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 could like look at girls doing squats for like 4 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, "Where did the time go? I didn't get anything done." And it's also dividing us, and it's, it's creating these uh, bubbles, these echo chambers where people get in, and I find them all the time online. I'll find someone saying something ridiculous. Like there was some um, post where this lady in Canada, she just did a, a press conference like a couple days ago where she's doing this press conference telling everybody to get vaccinated and wearing a mask at a press conference. And I'm like, Canada has a fucking time machine. They just brought us back to 2020. Like this lady was on t- recommending for kids not, that they get I, I, vaccinated with a mask on. You know what? On camera. You know what's
2: fascinating to me? <laughs> we, this whole, this whole vaccine thing is one of the most fascinating things I've ever sat back and witnessed. Yeah. That again comes back to that rule of law and you know right of privacy, mm-hmm. right of you know independent decisions about your body. All these things that are, and yet we start. If you don't get vaccinated, people are getting kicked out. They were losing their jobs. Yeah, and 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 then it turns out, oh whoops, um, it doesn't prevent you from getting it. It doesn't prevent you from transmitting it. Hmm.
3: And it might have a host of side effects.
2: Whoops. And and then it's just kind of like went away. And and every now and then you'll see a commercial: get your booster. But all the all the you're losing your job. You're you know they were vilifying people. They were vilifying people.
3: And in Canada, at least, they're trying to bring it back. I just I can't. Watching that video was like bananas. To see this lady giving a Orwellian is what it is. But she's wearing a mask, and there's no one near her. She's in front of a a podium. She's
2: wearing a mask. I I was saying it earlier. I'll, I'll see people driving by themselves. Yeah, wearing a mask. Yeah.
3: It's an anxiety thing. It's a uh, there's it's a mental illness thing as well. It's also a delusional thing because it doesn't. If you look at it scientifically, it doesn't work. It's just it doesn't work. You know, like right those cloth masks that people wear. Those like little surgical masks. Those don't, they just don't do jack.
2: Well, shit. they told they told us they didn't work for the first six weeks or eight weeks of the deal. Yeah. Fauci stood up there and said, "Hey, it doesn't work. In fact, you're more likely yeah to get it if you wear a mask because you don't know how to wear a mask." Which kind of kind of sounded like bullshit to me, but that's what he said. Um, and then he's like, "I ah, can't hurt. And then about a month later, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Where's the scientific data for any of this? I don't know what happened there. Maybe Nancy Pelosi had
3: some mass stock. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they all did. <laughs> I mean, I get why you would think it would work. But as soon as you know that it doesn't work, we should move to science then. Because if you're saying trust the science, okay, well, the science seems to indicate that it doesn't work. So maybe we thought it worked. We did some studies. We found out not only does it not work, but there's also problems that come from wearing dirty masks. There's also a thing where you're not supposed to... If you have those really tight ones, like those N95s or whatever, you're not supposed to wear them for long periods of time. They're not designed for that. Well,
2: they're cutting your oxygen.
3: Yeah. They're designed for short periods of time. They're also increasing the amount of carbon dioxide. Yeah. It's not good. And it's also your bacteria is spraying on the mask. It's growing inside the mask. You're breathing that in. Who knows what the fuck's going on there?
2: It was... Science was... Conveniently used again. Yeah. We politicized a, 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 a pandemic right and and uh, and they haven't figured out how to un that genie's not fitting back in the bottle It was also one of the rare times where people were told not to do
3: your own research Yeah, don't do your own research trust yeah. the science like that was a narrative yeah. like trust who you brought to you by Pfizer on fucking <laughs> CNN This is crazy. I can't believe this is even real. This is so it's so Orwellian, it's so propagated, like if it was in a film, a dystopian film about the future, you'd be like, how did they get that stupid? That's, that seems weird that they would be that dumb, that it's like brought to you by Pfizer. Don't do your own research. <laughs> do your own research. What, are you a conspiracy theorist? Are you an anti-vaxxer? You're the reason why people are dying. Like, you'd be like, this movie's nuts. But that's exactly what it was. The fucking White House put out a press, sec- well, press report that said that for the un- the vaccinated, don't worry, you've done your part. But for the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death. This is when, when it was mild. This is what the mild strain that was killing probably less people than the flu. What are you talking about? It, 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 it was
2: the, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen.
3: It's nuts its nuts and now we're finding out that the government was paying um social media sites and paying media to go after anti-vaxxers
2: you know they were paying them the 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 thing that i think is the the greatest casualty of the past really i'm going to say 6 to 8 years but 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 with 2020 with with the vaccine with everything you go back to, and look, again, I'm not a, I'm not a saying I'm a supporter, but, but I mean, when you sit here and say, this is a hoax, that's a hoax. Oh, oh turns out it's not a hoax. This is not true. This was that. Oh, no! Turns out that is true. That, yeah. This, this is, is
3: misinformation. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, and then we just try and wash it under the rug and we just don't look over here. Look over here. Don't, don't look at the fucking thousands of homeless in San Francisco that are all suddenly gone the day before the Whatever they call the prime minister of China or premier or whatever, and yeah, the gone. Xi
3: Jinping thing. Yeah,
2: streets are spotless. I was
3: just looking through my phone to try to find that video, Jamie. See if you can find it of that lady been announcing been that people should be boosted. I don't, I don't God know. damn it! I should have saved it. But maybe it's end wokeness on Twitter. Maybe he had it.
2: It's one of those accounts that I follow. The the great casualty of this is going to be mainstream media. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna lose because as soon as you lose trust in a news source, it, it becomes not a news source unless. Uh, it's telling you what you want to hear. So now these major news publications that we all relied on for unbiased news or largely unbiased news um, are no longer that. And so all you can turn to is the one that at least you agree with. Right. Okay. They so
3: become. Then, they become
2: activists. And so then, yes. And so then you keep dividing us. And then as we come up with new pick the issue of the week that we now are confronted with. It wasn't an issue a week ago. Now we're divided over that. And we just keep getting carved into smaller and smaller groups.
3: Yeah. And that would definitely be in the favor of people who want to keep us divided and going after well, each other so they can continue to tighten their grip on what we can and can't
2: do. Have you ever looked uh, have you ever seen the, the Green Beret Handbook has basically a pyramid of how to overthrow a country? Really? Yeah.
3: I got to piss. Can we... Uh, Hold that thought. Yeah, come yeah, back yeah. with the Green Beret pyramid. Yeah. I want to hear yeah. that. All right, we'll be right back. We're back. The Green Beret handbook on how to overthrow a country. So how does that work?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm going to get it wrong, but essentially, it, it really begins with dividing a people uh, and and creating uh, a lack of faith in the government. Uh, and the more that you can, uh, if you can start to infiltrate institutions like institutions of education, if you can start to, if you can start to, and, and chances are very high that you know our enemies and we have them as the united states we certainly have enemies that have a lot of money and a lot of technical power and time um and play the long game and have been injecting these things uh for 30 40 years into our into our society but if you we could probably pull it up somewhere i bet he could find the well, that's you the know, Yuri
3: Bezmenov thing. Yeah. You, you've seen that video, right, on YouTube? Yuri No. Besbinov. Oh, you haven't? It's amazing. Well, it's a guy in 1984. He's a defector from the KGB. He's explaining the ideological subversion that they've imparted in these American institutions, how they've done that, exactly what you're talking about, how they started injecting Marxism and Leninism. And He's talking yeah. about how many generations it takes before you destroy the morale of the country and all faith in democracy. And it's essentially what we're seeing now. What he was saying, it has already begun. This ideological subversion, and he lays it all out in 1984 in an interview.
2: Yeah, you have to see it. Paul Harvey, you know who that is? Sure. So he did a thing, God, back in the 60s or 70s, and he equated it to the devil. Um, and maybe it is, or you could also say it's 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 just that. But he did a radio piece on on how to destroy America, the social fabric of it. Wow. And it's and it's as though somebody just took. Uh, America, the, the social fabric of America from the late 60s to today. And, and the timeline of the things that he said. It's pretty wicked. It's pretty powerful. Wow. I'm not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about all the things that we do to
3: manipulate other countries, I'm not shocked that someone would do that and manipulate us. And that they would do it through education institutions. That's the way to do it. You yeah. get kids. And yeah. then you train them as they leave and then they go into the workforce. They have these ideas like burned into their heads yeah. and that's probably what all this gender confusion shit is this this giant uptick of it it's literally probably engineered and I think that's also what a lot of the climate stuff is and a lot of the a lot of the different things that people are fighting over it's not just these big financial institutions that are that are invested in climate change and green energy and all these different things but it's also other countries just fucking with us I think it's a lot of the trolling that you're seeing online is fueled by other countries. I think a lot of the the narratives that get pushed are fueled by other countries, and I think that's what we would do. If we we're probably doing it too. I'm sure. I I'm mean, sure it, we are. It's,
2: it's a psyop, right?
3: Yeah, I'm sure we're doing it too. Yeah. I'm sure, but I'm sure that's also one of the reasons why it would be nice to be able to lock down the internet We have to be able to stop that. So we're gonna only have government-approved internet like China has That's how China keeps us from interfering with their lives and the only way that we're, we, we know that we're gonna do the right thing over here But you know what China's really playing. They're, they're doing something nasty. So we're not gonna let them in on our, our internet anymore We're gonna shut our internet down and only make it for people in North America and everybody be like, okay Gotta keep China out yeah slowly but surely if we let them they'll try to get more and more control and that that gets fucking super sketchy super sketchy yep so what did you find yep. this green beret um
1: i mean no, not, I, I went down a path and i don't think i'm gonna get there because what i would the green beret handbook that tells you how to overthrow government be available on the internet it better not be, be. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
3: if you hear play a little of that Yuri Bezmanov. I know we played it many times but you need to hear it because it's so wild to watch him say it you watch him say it in 1984
2: and well, back then pull, you pull up the Paul Harvey thing from whenever that was about the devil maybe let's play that
3: pull that up because we, I've, I haven't heard that and I've heard the Besbinov thing we played it like five times at least it'll blow your mind when you hear this it's, um, it's not good but it also gives us a chance to write the ship it hasn't fucking hit the rocks yet like we can still come out if of this were the devil. Paul Harvey If
5: I were the devil Is this the thing yeah. yeah yeah okay okay If I were the devil If I were the prince of darkness I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness and I'd have a third of its real estate and four fifths of its population but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree the which are in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in And I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. What year was that? It was
3: 65, but... Holy shit. 1965. That's amazing. 65. Wow. April 3rd, 1965. Paul Harvey Uh nailed it. Yeah wow
2: so you can you can use devilism euphemism for anything that you want yeah but the, but the results the same and we're seeing it we're, we're seeing that you know i think they said somebody said all these things are bad work ethic all these things are racist or yeah whatever. It's, a, it's mostly yeah toxic masculinity <laughs> oh yeah i've been i've been accused of that
3: congratulations you're on the right side. <laughs> That's a fascinating one. Yeah, defund the police, toxic masculinity. Yeah, that they're, worked.
2: That worked great.
3: Yeah, they're all in the same sort of category yeah. of things. Like that seems silly. Seems silly to think that way. You need all of it. You need masculinity and femininity. It's okay. Just be whatever you are, but you, you, you fucking need it. Yeah, and if you want to tell those dudes that are playing football. That uh they're they're toxic masculine. Who what else are you gonna get? Who who's gonna play football other than like super aggressive alpha males? What are you talking about? But why is That's that it's not
2: toxic? That's not toxic.
3: No, it's just natural masculine behavior. Yeah. It's not toxic. What about toxic? It's all it's all
2: stupid. That term as applied. It's like But these are all terms that have been created. There's oh, it's fascinating. The language is being reinvented before our eyes. Yeah. There's all these new words that are just Meant to keep one person from disagreeing with another person's position. Mm-hmm. I love microaggressions. That's oh, that's my a great one. Just like little bitty up. Oh, you were that was a microaggression.
3: Yeah, and you can call people out on it. I called them out on this microaggression. Like
2: what? I I, I don't think <sighs> I've ever been guilty. I don't think anyone's ever been curious about my. You know, if I if I if I'm upset at you, you're gonna know, fucking know it. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the
3: things I really loved about that Ronald Reagan Walter Mundale thing. Like looking Walter Mundale laughing when Ronald Reagan got him with that. It's
2: yeah, but they, they had they had respect for each other. They completely yeah. disagreed policy wise. Yeah, but but what changed?
3: What changed in us? That- so
2: there's a there was a and I'm a, he, this guy's a wizard on the computer, so he'll find it for me. There's a there's a guy that wrote a book. I have not read it. I just read this passage. I think the New York times or Atlantic or somebody wrote about this. Um, and he's either a, he's a political writer. Um, and I can't remember his name. Book was written in the nineties and he talked about the fundamental difference between liberalism and conservatism and the reason that it's destined to, to continue moving out to these extremes and, and that there can't ever be any compromise. And, Essentially, it it stated that the, the liberal point of view was that crime and all these social ills it was a so it's a social construct, and that if you could find a way to level the playing field for everybody, that crime would be eliminated, all these issues would go away, poverty would go away, uh, you know, all the social ills that we have would disappear if everyone had the same opportunities in this in the same stuff. The flip side of that is. Uh, The conservative view which is there's evil in the world. There's good in the world We're gonna try and manage the evil as best we can and create an opportunity for people to uh, for people to succeed or They can fuck up and best of luck Um, One side seems naive one side seems extremely harsh, but those are the beliefs and that side can never Compromise with this side and vice versa because you're abandoning your own ideology.
3: Yeah, that's essentially it and you're also seeing now This is a weird one. I was watching this clip that I saw on YouTube of Tucker Carlson on Tim Poole's show talking about aliens and he's talking about it from like a Like almost like a religious perspective. He's like I think what they're essentially saying is that there's like He was talking about good and evil. See if you can play, find the clip. He's talking about good and evil and he's talking about it in relationship to UFOs and that they've always been here. So it's like, are you trying to say, like, what does he know? And can you say what you know? Like, why, are you, why do you think this? And are you saying that, like, a lot of the talk of, like, angels and devils in the Bible and good and evil, that it actually manifests itself in physical form and we don't know what it looks like? Because we haven't seen it, but when we do see it, we think it's a UFO. So we think it's from another planet, but it's really just evil or really just good. So it's angels and devils. Is that what you're saying? Cause if that's what you're saying, boy, that's a that's a fucking freaky argument. Because that's one of the <laughs> weirdest arguments about the, the UFO thing, is that we are essentially containers of souls and that what this planet is for, for these beings, is they mine Souls here, and that they develop souls here, and that all of our motivations for existing, and all of our ego, and all of our ambition, is really just a way to carry that soul as a vessel, and that these that
2: they then harvest.
3: Well, they I don't know I don't I don't understand what the argument is like. That what sounds they like getting that out sounds of like
2: it? what would have been what should have been the sequel to Matrix instead of what was right. <laughs> or would have been a better version
3: that that's how artificial intelligence is created that that's how life is created much how like a bee creates a bee colony they create a beehive inside the hive the queen lays the larva everyone knows how to do it and they all do it that way maybe the soul being in this biological vehicle and given this intelligence and this desire to achieve and to pursue technological innovations and all these different things that human beings do Allows them to get to the point where we're at right now where they create artificial intelligence and what these UAPs and UFOs that are appearing in greater numbers and being reported by all these fighter jet pilots Maybe what they're doing is they're witnessing the farmers who are coming by To watch their creation give birth to this thing, which is them Which would which be which is AI, their AI. Which is an an artif not artificial with the artificial is the wrong word a new form of life a Life that is not based in biology and breeding through sperm and cells and eggs, but instead Completely technological and able to self reproduce and able to create its own version of itself That's far superior to the one that initially created it and that it would constantly do that And that's what the universe is filled with that what we are We're just this fucking caterpillar that's making a cocoon. We don't even know what we're doing. And we're going to give birth to this butterfly. And that's what the whole human race is about. And that's the sinister aspect. That's what good and evil and all these different things playing off against each other is that we need this constant competition. We're always searching for utopia, searching for that meadow we can retire in. But it's like this strife and this struggle is what makes us continue to push society further and further until this thing is born. Listen to what Tucker says.
0: It's my personal belief, based on a fair amount of evidence, that they're not aliens. They've always been here. Um, and, I, and I do think it's spiritual. That's, that's my view. So, and, and again, it's not provable, but based on, uh, on the evidence, I think. I'm with I've, you, I've, I've, I think If the U.S. government has, in fact, had contact, direct contact with these beings, whatever they are, I've already told you what I think they are, and has entered into some sort of agreement with them, which is which is the claim of, of informed people, um, I would say. Whether they're right or wrong, I can't say conclusively. But, but, yeah. but, yeah. but wait, wait, wait. if that is true, I mean, it's a very, very, very heavy thing. Yes. Are you, a, well, a lot of people say hold, 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 interdimensional are, beings. Right, I, I want to ask, are, you, are angels and demons, or how would you well, describe these, these beings? You know, I these are, again, I'm getting into the realm of conjecture, so I just want to say that flat out. Entity? But one thing I know for a dead certain fact, having seen it, is that um, there is good and evil, that we are being acted upon at all times, and I think every person can feel that in himself. I mean, there are moments when you are moved to do things that are much better than you actually are, and that are also more evil and destructive than you actually are. You are subject to forces from outside yourself. That is absolutely true. Now, we can argue about what they are, but every person in the room, if he's reflective, will tell you, yes, I know what you're talking about. And so there are forces that are not human, that do exist in a spiritual realm of some kind. That we cannot see, and that when you think about it sort of make you think we live in an ant farm, yeah being right, and that's Absolutely. just that is real yeah. okay I, then there's
2: that might be what's going on here well those are some patient freaking alien angels because they waited around you know ten thousand years from discovering a wheel mm. and and domesticating the first plant to. Electricity
3: well if you have artificial intelligence and if you have a life form that's a million years more advanced than us It's non-biological at that point you have all the time in the world And if and you're what gonna, is time
2: at that you start right. bending time and
3: and one of the primary Theories about how life got started on earth is panspermia Which is that amino acids and these various uh, building blocks of life come in in asteroids and they slam into the earth And that somehow or another over the course of millions and millions of years of chemical interactions, billions of years, you have life, single cell, complex life. And then that life advances to the point where it creates a new version of life. And if that is just how it works everywhere, we say, oh, my God, that takes so much time. But does it? Because think about how much time it takes to make a fucking planet. Think about how much time it takes for all that matter to coalesce and to, to, to gel up into this fucking ball. And then for the temperature to stabilize, because it has a moon around it that's, you know, one quarter the size of the planet itself. And everything is kind of stable, and it gets to the point where biological life can exist. And then it starts fucking making shit, and make better and better and better. And then start arguing with shit about climate change and gender pronouns and all this stupid shit. While it's the real thing, it's doing is forcing you to get that motherfucker online, right. get that new life form online. That's what you really do, stupid.
2: The <laughs> the thing that has always, and even Stephen Hawking talked about it. So you've got the Big Bang theory, where you have essentially all this antimatter compressed upon itself until it explodes and creates matter. Yeah. And the hole in that argument is, antimatter. Anti. There's no matter. There's nothing. And there was so much nothing that it compressed until there was something. And so the first thing that we base everything on defies the laws of physics. Like, how can nothing compress itself until it makes something? You know, we could be off 0.0002% on our theories of life and how this universe was formed, and if that's wrong, we don't have any fucking idea where we are, what this is.
3: No, we don't. And Terrence McKenna once said it best that science asks of you one miracle. And that's yeah. the big bang. Yeah. There's one miracle. <laughs> it's, it really is kind of like a miracle. Yeah. If in the beginning there was nothing and then God created the earth and the skies. Yeah. And it's essentially what the Bible is trying to say. They're just doing it in a way. And the
2: interesting, you know, the, the, the Bible got it right. They yeah. got the order right. Right. You know? I think it's based
3: on an understanding that people had achieved, because if you think about the Bible, right? And if, if all these people are correct about the original history of, of uh, sophisticated civilization, if the Randall Carlsons and the Graham Hancocks and the Robert Shocks of the world and the John Anthony West, if they're correct in the timeline of like, say, the most sophisticated society that we are aware of, which is Africa. If those people that lived in Africa 30,000, 40,000 years ago in G- in Egypt, if they created A society that was infinitely more sophisticated than anything that we had ever seen before like How did they do that? Who did that and What What was that like? Like what the fuck was that like? What was that world like back then? Have you ever really stopped and tried to think and imagine what was that world like back then?
2: I mean well, how about that you have a similar world in Central and South America, where they also had yeah built things many thousands of years ago that still, like, how the fuck do you do that?
3: Yeah. How'd you do that?
2: Easter Island. What, what, how, did, how did y'all make those things? Yeah. How in the world? And then move them.
3: Well, I think if those things go down and then people have to rebuild, I think it takes a long time before people figure out what happened. I think it takes a long time. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion that you see in the Bible comes from. Like the God made the earth and the sky and everything in like six days, right? And on the sixth day he rested. Uh, <clears throat> okay, what are they actually saying though? This is, this, you get, you're getting things that are translated from a written, an oral history of a thousand years, and then they're writing it down in Aramaic, they're writing it down in ancient Hebrew. And you're getting it many, 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 many years later, long after diluted
2: and yeah, all kinds
3: and... of. Think about what people are willing to do today to the Constitution. Today, with, with, with all the information that we have about the dangers of this, think about what they're trying to do today. Now, imagine what you would do if you had the real knowledge of the birth of the solar system, of the development of human beings, and the God energy of the universe, and you tried to translate it. Over an oral history because there's chaos, because there's no more cities anymore, and everyone's dead. And you're just like hunting and gathering as cave people, and you're trying to relay this origin story of mankind. And then it gets written down in parables and it gets written down in yeah. Latin and it gets translated over the years. And and then people try okay. Then they sit down and they look at it many years later and they go, What the fuck were they trying to say? Like what were they trying to say? Because so much of what they're trying to say, if you're really paying attention, like it seems like it's kind of laid out like the origins of the universe. If in yeah. the beginning there was nothing? Yeah. Like they're talking about the Big Bang. If yeah. these scientists all agree, yeah. how do they know
2: that then back there was then? light, that would be the Big Bang.
3: Why wouldn't they assume back then that God was always around? Why would they assume that God had to make everything? Why would they assume that there was a beginning and an end just because they have a beginning and an end? Is that rational? Why, why would they assume that? And why did everybody assume that? Maybe because they fucking knew. Maybe because at one point in time, whether it's 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, they had figured a lot of this shit out.
2: Well, someone figured something out for, every, for the pyramids and the way that they were built yeah. to be aligned so perfectly with a true north and- Just to and be them. able to construct them. If those people were that smart, why wouldn't we
3: imagine they had an understanding of the birth of the universe? Why wouldn't we imagine? they would have this bizarre understanding of the way morality and good and evil play out with human beings. Maybe they were right. Maybe they were right, but it all just got fucked up over the thousands of years after asteroid impacts and the thousands of years of the destruction of the advanced civilizations and the world going back into chaos and then slowly rebuilding. And you're rebuilding with these ancient texts that you find in clay pots in Qumran. And you ever seen when they, they translate like the Dead Sea Scrolls and they lay them out and they, they have to try to figure out which pieces go with which scroll and they do it based on DNA. This, all this DNA is from this cow, so let's take this scroll from this cow skin and put it together and try to read what the fuck they said. It's incredible. But it makes sense. It makes sense if you buy into the idea that there's been a restart of civilization and then you go back and say, okay, what is the history of the Bible? Like how old is it? What's the oldest version? Like what's the, the, the oldest well, the version oldest of the story? Version. Like yeah. who knows? Right? right. Who knows? Version. Right. What was the original? Like you're playing a game of telegram, right? Or telephone with uh, over a thousand years, with who knows how many people. But if we've seen what the the Egyptian people were able to build, what was that like? How sophisticated were they? And maybe what we're getting at in the Bible is just the longest game of telephone, of a true story. It's just all kind of gumbled up in stories and God's testing you and all this thing about, you know, God d- d- telling this guy how to kill his kid. mate that was, a, was a, it's just a little screwed up, but it's showing you that there are evil forces at play and there are temptations. And there, well, it's digestible and you must resist lessons
2: yes. in, a, in a story that you can understand. Exactly. And that's but at why the heart of it, there's that's truth to it. because what is a day to right. God? Yeah, what does that mean? Is that... A billion years. Yeah a million years a hundred billion who knows who fucking knows. Yeah, who knows but it's it's presented in a way that you can digest it
3: Yes, and then our version of it is this simplified Uneducated barbaric version that gets translated from people that are involved in sword fights <laughs> They're fucking they're fighting each other with swords and hacking each other to death yeah. for thousands of years yeah. while they're telling this story the crusades All these different things that people did during that time horrific things and during that time They're doing it many of them in defense of their God in defense of their religion. They're motivating people by these books Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It's fascinating But when you hear a guy like Tucker Carlson saying that he like what else do you know, bro? Say say what you know like what what makes you say that because if that really is what it is that would make sense to me why the government would keep that information from people, because if we found out that people were essentially just a vessel of souls, and that we are essentially designed to give birth to artificial intelligence, and then that will be the end of us. So that's why they're not worried about nuclear war. That's why they're not worried about the environment. That's why they don't give a fuck about anything. This is all well, coming
2: to an end. We're there. Yeah, like we have it. We yeah. have it to the degree that people are already relying on it heavily. Yeah. Advertising agencies are relying on it to tell them how to cut a commercial,
4: uh-huh.
3: how
2: how present the logo needs to be in the commercial. I like, guess this is happening right now. Oh, yeah. This shit just appeared three years ago. Right. And now, I I think somewhere, maybe it's Brazil, that, and I could be wrong, but somewhere, AI just wrote its first law.
5: Ooh.
2: They used <sighs> AI to write a law. You can look up. What Where is looking that? At.
3: That's scary. I don't
2: know why. I think it's Brazil or El Salvador or somewhere. South or Central America, that's
3: that's how it begins. Yeah, i for one welcome president AI I think they'll be wiser. They're gonna do a great job and they're definitely not going to uh, be uh, Anti-human at all. They're gonna see our flaws as our strengths Brazilian city passed a law without water meters chat GPT wrote it Wow Wow only after it passed they revealed that it was uh, created by AI But that seems like it was prompted. AI has to prompt it. The really scary thing is when AI doesn't prompt it, and it just creates its own shit. Or
2: when someone doesn't prompt the AI, rather. Remember how wild you thought Terminator was the first time you saw it? Yeah. We're just just skipping toward it.
3: Have you ever seen those memes? It's uh, Sarah Connor uh, looking at you while you make friends with ChatGPT.
2: No, I've never seen any like, memes in my life I don't I'm not oh, all that's right either. yeah
3: you're meme free I'll have to start sending you some because I got some funny you ones have to do. text them I'll text them to you don't worry I got some fucking bangers <laughs> I'm in some I'm in some text chains with some comedians I got the best memes on earth they all come my way it's Good. awesome there's so many funny people out there that are creating memes it's a, a specific type of humor that is really accelerated because it's totally anonymous because sometimes people put watermarks on them but oftentimes the people put in the watermarks on them are they aren't not even the people that have created them? I know that for a fact because people will put watermarks on my videos, and it's not even me, not my watermark. Somebody else puts a watermark on my video and puts it online, and so that's, <laughs> it, there's a lot of them like that, like a shitload of them. They'll take clips of this show and then they put their own watermark on it and put it up on YouTube or put it up wherever on TikTok and what have. Really, happen. yeah, it happens all the time. So for sure they're doing that, but these the the memes are for the most part anonymous and you like they're hilarious like some of them, the funniest shit that i see on any given day is a meme that a friend of mine sends me so it's like just regular people that are figuring out this new comedy art form that's pure because you don't monetize it it's pure you just it's just getting sent to people in text messages and you're like bah! And it's just it's like the amount of people laughing at memes throughout any given day. So you don't even know this. Alright, I'm gonna have to hit you with some. No, of these. send me one. Because some of these are fucking great. There's some bangers out there. Sarah Connor watching you all become <laughs> friends with Chad GPT. How funny is that, right? That's great. Yeah, there's a shitload of those, man. They're they're constantly making them. And uh I send them back and forth to my comedian friends all day long. Here's one. Thank God California passed uh banned plastic straws. <laughs> see funny right that's great. yeah there's that's what you get a lot of man like all day long i'm getting these fucking things it's just amazing here's a good one how vegans be looking at you while, you, while you're while you finally trying a bite of
2: their fake macaroni and cheese
3: <laughs> see did hilarious you, did
2: you see what's this guy's name you
3: know that one jamie that one's a that one's a bad pierce
2: pierce morgan yes Piers, when pierce morgan had the ate the hamburger in front of the vegan did you see that
3: no I didn't did they freak out while they're wearing leather shoes here's another good one feminists when they hear that people are being drafted for world war (laughs) three they're so funny there's so many good ones like fuck climate change I discovered cock (laughs) come on man all day long I'm getting these Uh, I'm laughing all day you know I'm I'm very appreciative all the people Uh, out there you meme warriors keep it up you're That's making genius. my day more fun, and I have no idea who made any of those. I'd give them all credit, but they're hilarious.
2: That's fucking. Hilarious. And I
3: get them all day long, man. I'm just constantly getting them.
2: That's great. Yeah. Send them.
3: I'll send them all your way. That's great. I, I got a shitload of them. Yeah, send them. And I don't even know where they come from. Maybe AI is making them. Maybe Russia's making them.
2: I don't think the Russians are that funny.
3: They are that funny. That's part of the Internet Research Agency was making really funny memes during the 2016 election. It's one of some really? of the work. Yeah, there's a lot of dispute about this because some of the people that have uh, created this research have also partly been responsible for similar disinformation, allegedly. But anyway, uh, there's this one woman who came on my podcast to talk about it, and she'd done a lot of research on it. and Her name was Renee DeResta, and she said there's hundreds of thousands of them that were created by these Russian troll farms, and some of them were really, really funny. They were really funny, and they created these specifically to mock like Hillary Clinton, or to mock Donald Trump, or to mock this, or to mock Texas, or to, to mock the blue states, or mock the red states. And they just would crank these out and throw them online, and just keep everybody nah, sending people keep make people like
2: argue about shit. You're think about you're reading the comments on your deal, what Instagram or whatever the fuck it is, and the chances that that's some. Chinese 23-year-old sitting in a fucking warehouse on his computer. Yeah, with paid, a whole paid, shitload paid of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah paid the Ministry for. of State or whatever they call it, and he's just sitting there firing off his troll shit.
3: Highly likely. Yeah. Highly likely that a percentage of them are that. There's certainly people that engage in that stupidity all day long, but there's also, I'll go to, like, I'll see someone that has a ridiculous take on something. I'll go, let me go check out that guy's page. And I'll go to his page. I'll like, oh, you're a fake person. You're a fake person. This is like you got an American flag in your fucking Twitter bio. You're not a real person. You have two followers, and you don't have any posts. But you're just, like, shitting on people, and you're getting involved in these things. Like, okay, I see. You're, all you do is reply to things, and when I look at your reply, they're all very specific, the way you just do attack. it. attack. And just... a lot of times, you can take certain things that people say, and you can put them in a search engine, and you'll find hundreds of Twitter accounts that have the exact same thing they're saying verbatim. Really? Yeah, and they're all fake accounts. And there's a shitload of them, like inflammatory things about whatever it is, whether it's abortion or the border or whatever it is. You'll see that there's a certain percentage of that argument that's being fueled by people that aren't even real people.
2: So then it's China, Russia, some group, some yes. organization.
3: Yeah, they're trying to. I mean, it's part of the long. It's not the whole plan, but it's part it's, of that's the, plan. the long game. Yeah, it's part of the whole long game to keep us at each other's throats. Yeah, Yeah, they've made fake accounts. And I bet we do it, too. I tried to ask Mike Baker about that. Remember, how he skirted that one, Jamie. Yeah, I go, do we do that? He's like, oh, no evidence. Why would we do that? <laughs> NSA what? <laughs> I would hope we do that. That was my but argument they're when doing people it to said, us. when people were saying that um, the FBI was involved in the January sixth insurrection, that they were instigating um, people to break into the Capitol. I'm like, possibly, but also, if you got an extremist group. If you got a group that you think might break into the Capitol and you're the FBI, you're supposed to get embedded in those people. Right. You got to find out what the fuck they're doing. Ideally, if you find out they're just a bunch of knuckleheads, you're supposed to like leave them alone. You're not supposed to convince them they have to kidnap the governor of Minnesota or <laughs> Michigan or wherever the fuck it was.
2: Where was that lady? I think it was Michigan. Was it Michigan? Yeah. yeah.
3: What is that one? It was like 12 of those dudes were FBI informants. There's like two regular guys. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they were fucked.
2: Well, That's kind of the DeLorean deal, right? Like you can't. What was the deal? Oh, that was like John a- DeLorean when they entrapped him and they're like, hey, if you'll sell this. And- oh, they
3: like to do that, too. That's a good yeah. one. That's a real good one. Yeah. That kind of entrapment thing. That's when it goes unchecked. But also, if you do have a legit terror cell, wouldn't it be nice if the FBI fucking embedded themselves in that? and stopped that from happening? Yeah. It would
2: have been great to have a couple of those in that fucking airplane school, huh?
3: It would have been great. Yeah. would have been nice, you know, they can't be everywhere, but <laughs> But you know there's there's so many stories of them actually doing that Like convincing people to do shit that they would never have done and that's what they said about the Whitmer thing that these, all these Poor guys, they're just dummies, you know, yeah. like there's a certain percentage of the population of this country I forget what the number is, but they're below 85 IQ There's a certain percentage of people who right. just have low watt brains and if you get a hold of those dummies and all of a sudden you're their friend and you're convincing them, hey man, we gotta stand up for something. You don't stand up for something, you're not nothing.
4: Like, yeah, we gotta fucking stand <laughs> up for something.
3: That fucking governor, man, that's the problem. You know, if we kidnapped her, we could fucking turn this whole thing around. We could take over this fucking country. We'd do it the right way. Yeah, probably. Well, So listen. We're gonna meet at the docks at nine o'clock. We are brothers. We are brotherhood in this fight.
4: Okay, nine o'clock.
3: And then you go there <laughs> like, oh, 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 I just wanted a friend. I just wanted a friend. said <laughs> you're doing fucking ten years in Sing Sing. <laughs> Woo! That's not. That's not good. Hey guys, that's the wrong way to do it. But when you do it the right way and you, yeah. you infiltrate infiltrate terror organizations, I know that's real too. Like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But got to be some oversight on this. You can't just allow the same sort of unchecked shit that goes on with everything to go on with that.
2: You gotta wonder how much... How many 9-11s we don't even know about that they... That they averted. That they averted. Maybe.
3: It's possible. I'm sure they've done a lot of good. I have no doubt.
2: I mean, the, the not, That was 20... Fuck, Was that 22 years ago now? Mm-hmm. Isn't
1: that crazy? It
2: is crazy. And there's no way that in the two decades since then, because shit ain't got better. Right, if Relations haven't got better. There's no way
4: Yeah, that, they, See,
2: that there haven't been any number of things that those guys have had to thwart that they just, they won't tell us about, can't tell us, because it'll give away the fact that they're inside. It, that's, the, that's
3: the argument for things like the Patriot Act and for the yeah. NSA's uh, mass-scale surveillance, surveillance of uh, the population. You want to be able to, like, leave everybody alone, but you want to be able to point out when some shit is about to go down. And this is really the only other way. If they're communicating through media, we gotta we gotta be able to tap into this shit. We'll just use keywords and find people and and get them.
2: I'm sure that those guys have like red flagged me eighty five times. What have you been googling? Uh, what what I'm writing. <laughs> think about it. You read read me at Kingstown. Right. You know. Look at look at Yellowstone. Look at Lioness. Look at Sicario. Like the shit I'm looking up. Drug right. trade. Now oh, they're terrorists. This and they've got to go. Oh oh, we got a humdinger over here in freaking Texas. And then they pull it. They're like, no, it's. That's it's a that really guy. good. Point. It's that guy. This will be an. Th- this will be a plot in something here in two years. You just watch. Sicario was fucking awesome.
3: How much is involved in research with that? Like, how do you do research for something like Sicario?
2: I did a lot of research for Sicario. How did you? I, I was able to talk to some people on the inside of different things. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That must be heavy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and, and to be honest of a lot of the things that I uncovered, I didn't uncover them, but they were shown to me. Like there's a, there's a Sicario is the PG version of what it could have been. Holy shit. As, as barbaric as that is and how we were shielded from the, you know, the, the drug war. And that was really, that was 2010, 2011, the drug war that it's based on. More people died in the five years around that than died in Vietnam. Holy shit. <sighs> Holy shit.
3: Yeah. That's the wildest one. The 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 wildest one that we're dealing with like when you talk about major problems that this country has. Sure we have immigration problems, sure we have, well, we got a lot of problems. But one of the wildest ones is the amount of people that die from fentanyl overdoses every year.
2: <laughs> um so doing research, I discovered I was trying to figure out what are the, just to have a, a, a perspective on the scale of revenue-generating industries. Like, And it started with oil. Like, How much money do oil companies make? And if you look at the top 10 revenue-generating industries, it's up there at like five or six or seven or eight, somewhere. It's not as high as you, I thought it would be. Pharmaceuticals sit there at like point. Two trillion a year in revenue. Illegal drugs are estimated at three point three trillion. Whoa! And and we talk about big pharma as this fucking monster. Think about the fact that illegal drug trade is bigger than big pharma.
3: Holy shit! Wow! I had no idea. Yeah. Holy shit! Bigger. Yeah. And all funded because it's illegal, but yeah. obviously there's a demand
2: for it. And there's no way to know. There's no way it's because it's illegal. Right. They're, they're, those are estimates. I don't know how they make the estimates, but
3: those and are here's the a, estimates. Here's
2: a question. If you're the
3: president of the world and if you have this fucking magic wand, do you even want drugs to be legal? What do you want to do? Do you want to go after the people that are making the drugs? And just say it's a war on America, on American youth, because 100,000 people die every year and we need to involve the military and go after the cartels? Or do you say, we need to wake up to the fact that people are going to take these fucking things no matter what? So we need to regulate them, make them legal, and make them pure. And also give people some sort of an understanding of what the correct dose is, tell them not to do it, offer counseling... Have Rehab centers have all that funded by the taxes that you're gonna make from selling these things legally But allow people to sell it legally well, my... you either you're either boosting up the pharmaceutical drug companies Which are pretty gangster or you're boosting up the real gangsters like would...
2: I, I would I would argue And I don't have an answer look i I've, I've written movies about this. I don't have the fucking answer but if you look at and we he can pull it up right now overdose deaths from prescription medication Oxycontin, all these various things, um, and that's a that's exactly what you're saying. That Legal. is a regulated, nar- heavy narcotic, regulated, heavily regulated. You know, it's a Class A or one, whatever they call it, Schedule One. You mm-hmm. know, you write that prescription as a doctor, uh, somebody's going to come knocking and go, eh, what was this for exactly? Like you write a ton of them. Some you better be a freaking orthopedic surgeon, especially today. Yeah, and the the number of deaths from from prescription overdoses, it's pretty substantially high. I think it would be a failure. I think I don't think it would work. I don't know what we do. I think I think that, and I talked about it in Sicario, where where he says, "Look, until we can figure out a way to convince twenty percent of the population not to smoke and snort this shit, the a measure of control is the best we can hope for."
3: Right. Yeah, if you made it legal, for sure there would be people, this is the argument against it, if you made it legal for sure there would be people that try it, that wouldn't ordinarily try it, but they try it because it's legal. Yeah. Like when Elon was on my show and he smoked weed with me, one of the things he said, oh, it is legal, huh? Yeah, it's legal here, bro. We we smoked weed together. But he said it's legal, and so he felt like he could do it. Yeah. Like, I'll try it. How many kids would do heroin if it became legal? How many kids would do coke? How many impressionable people that wouldn't do something illegal will now do something because it is legal? And how many generations does it take before we figure out how to stop that And I guess the
2: question would be, could they make a heroin light? make like a a Miller light. Like a cocaine light. Because if you've ever watched one of those shows about how they make cocaine, Mm -hmm. you're never doing cocaine.
3: Well, we we had uh, Mariana Van Zeller who uh, has that show. What, What is that show called? Excuse me? Trafficked, And she was embedded in this drug-producing lab in, was it Costa Rica? Where was it? Colombia? I think it was Colombia. Peru and or Colombia. She was in there with these people while they're making cocaine, and they let her document everything. Oh, it. And she even walked out with them when they were h- hiking it out as mules on their back. She took the trek with them. She retraces one of the world's most uh, uh, yeah, Peruvian jungles to the yeah. Colombian coastline, to the streets of Miami. Yeah. yeah, it's a crazy episode, man. Because that lady has they're fucking bleaching courage.
2: those leaves with like mm-hmm. diesel and oh, freaking yeah. cow piss and oh, it's horrible. Oh, they, they
3: have this vat and they're pouring Ugh. these chemicals in there and they're taking all the fucking coke out of it. And then they're packing it up. This pure cocaine. Yeah. Like it's, it's so pure. It's really good for you. And yeah. they're taking that pure but don't cocaine. don't worry, you can
2: trust that middleman, so not put a little fentanyl in there of just course. to cut it a little bit with some fucking yeah. flour.
3: Now, that's the argument for it being legal and hard to get. That if it was legal and you really went after the people that are making it illegally and you test everything, you would stop all the fentanyl overdoses at least. But you're not going to stop all the overdoses. You know, for sure people just overdose on regular coke. They definitely die on regular heroin. They definitely have. It's just, would they die as often? Would it be as bad? And would you have to deal with propping up this illegal drug regime, which is the scary part, Yeah, is that right next door, we could just walk over there, doo you could literally walk over, they're walking over here, we could walk over there too. You could walk over to a place that's run by drug cartels.
2: Yeah. I- it, you know, you have to look at the desire. what What is the, and obviously a lot of it's going to, you know, if, you, if you've if you worked really hard and you built up this and you've got a family and, you know, you've got a kid in college and someone goes, hey, you want to go over to this new bar that got cocaine? You're probably going to go, ah, you know what? I don't. Right. I, I, I've got a lot to lose. That sounds sketchy. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. But if you've grown up in this fucking shitty family and you know your father's abusive and mom's an alcoholic and she's a drug abuser and you feel like you have no hope, then you're gonna to turn to that. So it preys on the weakest, the most vulnerable of our society. Yeah. I, I wonder if, if there's not a way, I would wanna try, I would wanna try like, how do we, and I don't wanna sound, how do we just lock this place down long enough that we freaking keep the drugs out? Like just, I don't think we can at this point. I, I don't think we can either. I think they're so sophisticated on the ways they get it in, and there's enough people corrupt on the side that let it in. I don't think you could ever, you could ever do it. And it's a 3.3 trillion dollar a year business. So yeah. they've got, they've figured out things. You know, there's probably some fucking highway under New Mexico that comes up in a warehouse, and they're trucking this shit out, and they've paid off everybody, and it's
3: a $3.3 trillion business. The, the corruption is undeniable. There's always going to be yeah. corruption. So there's, there's no, one of the things that Mar, um, Mariana Van Zeller uh, found out, one of the things she investigated is cops that are corrupt in Los Angeles taking confiscated weapons and then driving them into Mexico and selling them to the cartels. Because <laughs> you can just get in. Like, they don't check you when you're coming in. They check you when you're leaving. So if you want to bring coke. Bring whatever you want. Yeah. But when you're to go in, like, come on in. Yeah. So they're going in with these confiscated weapons that they've gotten from, you know, gangs and, and what have you. And they, they got a trunk full of this shit. They drive it into Mexico and sell it.
2: I've always felt, if you think about it, probably the two public service jobs that are the most important, teacher, police officer. Yep. How are those not two hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year paying jobs? Right.
3: How are they and not? There's, and difficult there's, to by get By the way,
2: there's there's great police officers out there, there's great teachers out there, but there's a large portion that are not because and you're gonna see it in LA now, you defund the police, we do this. Now you don't have enough cops, so now you've got to do what you did with the rampart, lower your standards to get enough bodies in there and then all of a sudden Well what look I was telling you, you earlier, yeah.
3: they're using illegal immigrants. Yeah. They're using non citizens. Yeah. To be police officers in Los Angeles now. Like Google that, Jamie.
1: I, without guns though, at least uh, for now.
3: Um they they can't have guns? Yeah. Or they can't have guns at home? They're not allowed. They can't yet. have guns on them. Right. For now. But are they try- are they trying to pass it so they can have point. guns?
2: wouldn't you want, you know, look, if you're going to be in the FBI and there's a lot of politicization politicization of the FBI right now. But what they're not doing is getting in a shit ton of like shootings. And if they are, that you know, we're not hearing about them. Um, those guys and those men and women have college degrees. A lot of them have law degrees. They're going to go through a year at the farm before they start out somewhere very small. Have all these different training regiments before they they're running around busting down doors. Okay, here it is. LAPD moves to accommodate new DACA
3: officers who can't personally own guns. Can't personally own guns. But I don't know if that means that they can't carry guns on the job. Possess their department-issued firearms while off-duty. So while on-duty, they are armed. (laughs) So you could be uh, an illegal alien who comes into this country, and then no one wants to be a cop, so you could be a cop, and they'll give you a gun. And so you could be a citizen of America getting arrested by someone who is not a citizen of America in America at gunpoint.
1: I, but the DACA recipients, is that weird? That's a interesting. What,
2: well, that is, just is means that the a,
3: people, that jo- they graduate the academy. That's what it means, right?
1: Uh, no, no, no.
2: Is that the dreamers? What is it? What is yeah. It? Yeah. So what that would mean is that's a, they, they were brought in as a child. Is that what it means? Right. Yeah brought in as a child and 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 I believe Obama gave him amnesty at one point I don't know that it was ever rescinded. So it's um, at a
1: certain age deferred action of childhood arrivals. Yeah,
3: okay So that's people so that came the, here as a child um, Their parents Im- the, Ill- the Illegally immigrated, immigrated here, but they've been here their whole life. Why right, not just make them fucking the citizens then that
1: was a big know thing the, You know the thing there was there yeah, was a thing to get deported when Trump was president George George it. W. Mm.
2: Bush actually initiated legislation for amnesty that involves back taxes and some things, but would give people like all the illegal immigrants uh, a green card. And there was a bunch of pushback saying, well, one side going, no, we want a path to citizenship. Uh, and I think there were, the Democrats were like, whoa, you're not going to take all our fucking Latin vote. Hell no, you can't do that. So it got squashed. But, but there was an attempt to legitimize all these people that had moved here illegally. Um, but had created a you know a home and were working and contributing members of society, and and they killed it because it didn't go far enough for some, uh, and politically it just got squashed.
3: That's unfortunate because if you can get to the point where you can tell those people they can be police officers and they can carry guns on duty, which Colorado said did there as well. So it said um, make them citizens. It seems like they're good people. They're doing a good job. They're here. They're paying taxes. They're living. They're part of society. They want to be police officers. <laughs> Why would we assume they're bad? Let's, uh, the, the problem is that they're not citizens. Well, why is, the, why is it such a difficult path to citizenship for someone who was born somewhere else but came over here as a child and doesn't— I'm, I'm assuming if you're a cop, you don't have a criminal record. I'm assuming, right?
2: <laughs> California, I don't know. Man. Yeah,
3: California might help you. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a wild world. It is are weirder than any other time. I'm
2: sure every generation thinks that, that they're at the precipice of disaster, but yeah. you know certainly World War II felt that way. And I know it felt that way in the 50s with the Cold War.
3: For sure. Um, it felt that way in the
2: 80s. It sure did.
3: Yeah. like When we were kids, it felt like at any moment we could have a nuclear war with Russia.
2: I don't think you've seen the internal divide in this nation since oh, the late teens, early 20s. I agree. You know, when you yeah. had the big communist push then. And then the time before that, we, we had a fucking civil war. And I think a lot of that is accentuated by what
3: we were talking about earlier with the social media use and the subversion of our educational institutions. It's That's a big part of why we have this divide. And I think one thing that can combat that is a, a, a rational discourse that's appealing to people. And the people like you and other people that have these opinions, they say it out loud and people listen and they go, you know what, he's right like this is crazy like this divide is crazy and what is accentuating this divide engaging in these fucking stupid arguments online that might not even be with real people it might actually be with ai from china like what what are we doing
2: we just we, we just have to someone's got to step up and go look the minutiae of the argument yeah. is irrelevant like it, it, in in the greater picture Okay, obviously it's very important to the people stuck in it. And I don't give a fuck if it's like gender neutral bathrooms or it was climate change or whatever, whatever it is. Everyone has to first admit we all have a right to think different. Yeah. And, and it's not violent when I disagree with you. It's no. not a, an, an irrational fear of you when I disagree or vice versa. Um, but until we can respect, respectfully disagree and go, hey, you have your thoughts and I have my thoughts. How do we coexist? Right. But right now, coexisting's off the table. Right. And that's the thing that has to get back on the table.
3: Well, And people are very upset about it. That's why songs like that, Rich Man from Richmond, Yeah, that's why it hits like that. Yeah. Because people are like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And they want it to be better. I mean, most people don't want to be involved in all this stupidity. They just want to live a good life and have fun before the aliens turn us into fucking vegetables. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was happening until that's now. That's what I
3: think. That's what I think. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I think we just did like four hours. How long have it been on? Three, uh, well, three, and a half. three and a half hours, dude. Fuck, went like that. Yeah. But listen, um, it's been really fun. I really appreciate you. Love your work. You're fucking Likewise, awesome, dude. Man. Everything you've done is like it's just been some of my favorite shit ever on television for so, for sure. 1883 is one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. It's fucking incredible. Wow.
5: Thank you, bro. Appreciate
3: you, everybody. Go watch it. It's awesome. And uh, whatever else you got going on, let me know. I'll do it. I'll I'll blast it out there. Hell yeah! (laughs) Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody.